This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Another week. Another week. What a great day to be alive. Ben, you look great. Thank you very much. You look like you've lost a lot of weight. What'd you do this weekend? Um, Sweating to the oldies. Liposuction? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you really do. You look great. Thanks. I mean, don't act surprised. I've said you look great before. You're all nervous. Hey, uh, great show for you today. Holy cow. I don't want to talk about Trump. I don't want to go there. But we'll be going there with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider. I wanted to talk about something that would be a little less flamboyant, a little less irritating. Like Boy George filming a reality show with with the Kardashian producers. Oh. I know, isn't that great? I thought reality TV was dying. Nope. thought it was the drifting away. No, you'd think so. Becoming part of our horrible, horrible history. We kind of have a little bit of a reality show debate thing going on. Donald Trump is the king of the reality shows, right? He is. And it seems like it's he's just brought it, instead of uh, the The Apprentice, it's now The Offender. Should we call it that? The, the Offender? The Offender. All right. Do you think that would be a great new show? The think, Offender. Man runs for president. Do you Defends. think he, he tries to find someone to offend, or does he just sort of luck upon it? I think it's anybody that pushes on him. Okay. He offends. You know what I mean? He'll just offend anybody. Even, I mean, so, so he had the whole debate issue where mm-hmm. he was asked by Megyn Kelly a very specific question using very specific quotes that he used about women he hated it. He then put down Rosie O'Donnell. He then got all over her. Yes. Then everybody after was like, why did you get all over her? And then he offended her, inferring, insinuating that her female hormone system. Or whatever. Or whatever we want to call that yeah. issue was, uh, you know, to Active. blame. Yes. Then he said, I did not say that. Then he then said, anybody that thinks I said that is like an idiot. A deviant. A deviant. It's his term, deviant. Yeah, deviant. So, again, I think anytime you push on him, he just you just become his enemy. But he's he's still doing well in the polls. I enjoy watching him try to dig out of whatever hole he digs, and mm-hmm. he does it quite well. Oh yeah, he's like a he's like a mole. He does it by dismissing half of what he said. That's right. not important. I said whatever is in the sense of let's move on. Let's move on. Anyway, that to me would be a really awesome um, show. The, the, what do we call it? The Offender. The Offender. One man runs for president. <laughs> Offends the entire world. He does a very good job he, of being him. He even, at, over time, will offend his followers. Because some of his followers have to be female. Yes. So, you know, it seems like some of the things, or some of them might be, you know, a minority. Or he might he's, even just because he's offended idiots because he's used the word so much. Yes. I mean, if you're just less intelligent than you need to be, you should be offended. All people who wear glasses. Why? Because he said that. Uh, I have glasses. He said that Rick Perry's wearing glasses just to look smarter. 
Well, that's true. So would other people that wear glasses be offended if, in fact, they are wearing it for that reason? Yeah, no, I do that for Somehow that they've been exposed as being a fraud. I wear I wear <laughs> glasses to look taller. Okay. I'm not sure how but, that works. but Me either, but they say it works. And I'm just to shoot straight with you, the ladies, you know, they like it. They they go, wow, you you look taller. Yeah, my wife's even like, put your glasses back on. <laughs> you look better with your glasses. And here's a bag. You want to put that bag on your head? Put huh? that over your face. Thank you. So rude. So rude. Now, Kathy's out, uh, out and about, having a fun day today, I'm sure. And so Terry South is joining us to not do... Not by the text I got. <laughs> no, is she not feeling well? She's not feeling well. Oh, Kathy. Kathy, get better. Uh, but Terry's going to fill us in on the headlines. Police in uh, Ferguson, Missouri, shot a man who said they fired at officers approaching him in an unmarked vehicle. Uh, the suspect, Tyrone Harris Jr. of St. Louis 18, was recovering in a hospital after surgery. The gunshots interrupted this interview with Ferguson's interim police chief, Andre Anderson. Message to those who are looting. That's the media with their cameras. That's a lot of shots. St. Louis County Police Chief uh, John Belmar at one point goes, there was a lot of shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So here you have the interim police chief having a press conference talking about the, the one-year anniversary uh, kind of commemoration of Michael Brown's death that led off all the unrest from last August. And in the middle of this, all of a sudden the gunshots start firing. Oh boy. And it was people who were separate from the uh, demonstration that was going on and, you know, causing some problems. And so the, the incident is still being investigated. The man that was shot, um, some plainclothes police officers monitoring the the protest. They were actually kind of watching this guy, and he opened fire on the officers. They recovered a 9-millimeter pistol that had been stolen. Uh, the four officers have been placed on administrative leave following the shooting. Police used tear gas on people who refused to disperse from the area. Mm. So a lot of the same things so that we have back. been saying. Yeah, Ferguson's back. So we'll see how that uh, – there's more gatherings planned for today as they continue to uh, – you know, be one year from the Michael Brown death. Uh, Donald Trump still on top of some polling data that has come out o- over the uh, the weekend from NBC. He's under fire for controversial comments made about Fox News anchor and moderator Megyn Kelly. Donald Trump did not fall out of favor with Republican primary voters following Thursday's debate. In an online poll conducted Friday and Saturday, NBC News found that Trump still maintained a hefty lead over his rivals for the GOP presidential nomination with 23% of voter support. Ted Cruz from Texas vaulted to the second place with 13%. Jeb Bush fell sit to sixth with 7%. 54% of Trump's supporters additionally agreed that they would go as far as to vote for him as president, even if he didn't win the Republican primary, which is an interesting mm. uh, designation there. Yeah, right. However, the winner of the debate, according to NBC voters, was the Kitty's Table. Carly Farina with 22% leading uh, Ricky, uh, Rubio and Cruz. And yes, even Trump. So Carly Farina. Wow. I think she, uh, she did cool. a great job in her debate. The poll margin of error was plus or minus 3.4%. Trump made the rounds on the Sunday shows, not backing down from his comments about Megyn Kelly. I was going to say nose and or ears, because that's a very common statement. Blood pouring out of somebody's nose. It's a statement showing anger. She had great anger. 
when she was uh, questioning me, I said nothing wrong whatsoever. So- so he said nothing wrong, and he meant nose and ears, even but though he'd never. You saw the video. Do you? Yes. Did you sense she had great anger? No, I think she was asking a question and then waited for the crowd. I mean, to does stop. he not think we're going to watch the videos? He, I don't think. I think he believes he can say whatever he wants because no one's going to go back and look at the video. I mean, oh, the same man. thing he said about McCain the next day. He's like, I didn't mean it that way. And yeah. You go watch the video. Like, how didn't you well, mean yeah, it? Yeah, it sure sounded like that. So it's interesting how his actual words are not how we're supposed to interpret. His sure. thoughts. That's great. We'll see, see how that goes down the road. Hillary Clinton set to unveil a plan today to make college more affordable to relieve student debt. The new college compact, which would cost $350 billion over 10 years, is an incentive program that would distribute money to states that guarantee low or no loan tuition at four-year public universities and community colleges. Hmm. We'll see how No she... loans. So people just go to school free. Go to school. That so we'll have be to interesting. see how that gets paid. They need to do something to get everybody that's already in debt out of debt. Out of debt. I'd appreciate that. You're still in debt, right? I still got some debt. Okay. Still a little debt. Um, over the weekend, the Environmental Protection Agency, they're taking blame for a huge leak of contaminated water into the Colorado River. Have you seen these pictures? I have. Oops. <laughs> Looks like they dumped mustard yeah. into the Colorado River. Oh, I love mustard. Rivers. Not this kind of mustard. It's uh, full of lead and other contaminants that fell out of a mine. But apparently it's not harmful well, to wildlife, part is of it? The, part of the problem is that the leak happened, and then 24 hours later, they started informing the affected areas. <laughs> Um, Two, they said it was 1 million gallons, and then they readjusted that up to 3 million gallons of contaminants into the water. Well, wouldn't the the affected areas have known something was wrong when their water was turning mustardy yellow? Yeah, but you wouldn't know what it was, or it's better if the EPA says, hey, there's stuff that's coming down that's full of lead. You may not want to drink it. Why is the river glowing? Yeah. So uh, all along in New- the, the the contaminated water has just reached New Mexico. Hmm. We'll have some sound from their governor who's not happy about that, that she wasn't informed. Well, you know who should be grateful? If that water could some – oh, but it's in New Mexico. I was going to say, well, if, it's we could, also, if we could get it to California, they need water. It, it doesn't matter what color it is. We'll see what happens. It, it's As it's slowly going, it's dissipating. It's yeah. being diluted. But uh, it's going to, I guess, leak into, flow into, however you want to term it, into southern Utah, so, southeastern Utah Seep today. Into. Okay. And there, you know, people are on you know tanks of water and 25-gallon-a-day mm-hmm. rations type of thing until this – I think they're saying it's moving at four miles per hour down the, the river. Uh, so rather slowly. Coming at you, folks. As it four oozes miles that an way. Hour. Uh, Fantastic Four. Yes. The movie, total bomb. Uh, is it? Yeah. 26 million bucks for the weekend. Uh, came in second to Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which was in its second week and then only made about 29 million. <laughs> so kind of a- Wow. Not a, a good reboot of a movie and yeah. it might kill the franchise. Oh no. So we may never see another Fantastic Four, which is fine. Yeah. Because maybe they, they'll give it back to Marvel and they can actually do something with it. Uh, plus, Frank Gifford died. And then Frank Gifford died. Monday Night Football Hall of Famer, New York Giant. He he was a, uh, I think he, he played like four or five positions. It, it, yeah. it was a time in, in, in football back, yeah. where you could Running play back. offense, defense. You could play all kinds of positions, and, and there was no specializing. So. Did you see that hit he took? He took a hit that was like, he was decleated and yeah. out. And then he quit and then came back. What a stud. That's too bad. We'll miss Frank. And Kathy, I mean, what's... She's said she's sick. Yeah. But it's fine. She gave me plenty of notice. 
Appreciate it. Well, we hope Kathy Aiken. It's the phone call that comes in right before we go on the air, and you're like, oh. Yeah. Makes it rough. Well, if she's listening, we're here for you, Kathy. We're here for you. Well, good news. I mean, that's that's not good news, but a great news segment. Well done. We're going to, uh, in a minute, be bringing on Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, and see if we can't uh, make some sense of all of these new polls. I mean, there's these, this poll out from NBC, and, um, you know, is it is it the real deal? Is Can a poll really, I don't know, it seems to have changed so dramatically. And can a poll that's from NBC and SurveyMonkey be a legitimate poll? Anyway, we'll talk a little bit about that. Also find out, uh, I want to find out what his take on Chuck Schumer going rogue. He's going to vote against the Iran deal, which is a big, big, big position shift uh you know a a democrat that's not going to follow the president on the president's one of the most most important moves lately we'll find out about that when we come back folks with uh joe cannon will be joining us our washington insider right here on the matt townsend show stick with us friends Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, it's Monday, and because it's Monday, it's media, it's uh, politics day. We're going to be talking politics. You know, we have all the Sunday shows where you can go hear all the pundits talking about what they think is going on in Washington. And then on Monday, we like to bring in our own Washington insider, Joe Cannon, to join us. Joe has been the chairman of uh, the Utah Republican Party. Um, he's also was a candidate for U.S. Senate. He served as an assistant administrator to the U.S. EPA under uh, President um, Reagan. He's also the Deseret News editor um, of, a, of a pretty big newspaper in the Rocky Mountain area. And, you know, when we think about it, we need an insider. Joe Cannon is our insider. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Good to have you. And uh, talk to me. What did you think about the debate? <laughs> I haven't well, heard your so view. Many, yeah, there are so many different things to say about that debate. Wow. It just um, it just keeps going, too, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, all yeah, the fallout. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, wow. Where do you start? Where do you begin? The, the, the biggest news is that uh, Trump is still alive and maybe <laughs> thriving. Yeah. Um, so that's who do you, know, big news, I guess. Who, who do you think won? Well, that's a good question. Um, I guess the first thing is Trump didn't lose, which a lot of people thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And and so I think in in the sense that he won, um, I think the two sort of the two biggest winners won. And you know, I'm not saying anything that anybody who's not reading all the pundits would say, but. But Carly Fiorina was a big winner. Yeah. Uh, in fact, she might have been the only really conclusive winner in the whole in the whole debate uh, deal, the two de- two different debates. Uh, she shined, and, not, and and whether she shined or not, based on what you what you what you thought when you watched her, the pundits went you know crazy over her. <laughs> yeah. After that, what do you and, think? Uh, what What do you think it is? What did they love about her? Well, she's you know she's straight talking in a way like like 
like Trump in that sense. She's she's straight talking, but I think that she she has this sense of uh, her persona is just she's really direct. She's not mean, mm-hmm. um, but she says, "Yeah, we just we just need a change, and we we need a change." She's making a lot of the same arguments that Trump makes. Hey, I'm a business person. I've done a lot of things, but the other thing is her her kind of. Um, complete willingness to take on uh, Hillary. I think that's what's charging up a lot of Republicans. Yeah. It's, it's, she'll just, just go directly at her and without the defect of being a man. You know, she could yeah. uh, she could just be very direct, and it, it's hard to say, well, you know, she's a sexist. Yep. I mean, it so seems she's like... Got great, she's got a great story, too. I mean, she also has a great story of starting out, you know, with not a lot and ending up out of a, a multi-multi-billion dollar company. Yeah, she, I think she said that. I started as a secretary. Yeah. And moved her way up. Um, in fact, I also liked it that she took on, she'll take on Trump as well. We have a clip here that I want to play um, uh, about Car- Carly basically uh, talking about Trump, and there's no excuse for what he said. Uh, sorry, number seven. Presidential campaigns are designed to reveal character under pressure and over time. Mr. Trump got asked tough questions by a lot of people on Thursday night, but he chose to attack Megyn Kelly. On Friday night, I put out in a statement, Mr. Trump, there is no excuse. I mean, it's somebody needs to, I mean, again, I guess for what Trump said about Megyn Kelly and her, the hormones may be driving her anger and all of that. Um, it seems like, honestly, it's it's so much more powerful to have Carly take him on than probably anybody else. No, exactly. I mean, she said it exactly right. Uh, you know, there are lots of things you could take umbrage at if you're a, a candidate in a debate. And, and by the way... Uh, Complaining about hard questions is probably not a good thing to do if you're in a debate. Right. Uh, uh, when you're gonna when you're gonna be in a debate with the other party, a and then if you actually get the job, you're gonna be in a in a very tough situation. Yeah. Uh, in terms of dealing with uh, other national leaders, complicated problems, and wow, if you get really thin-skinned over over some debate questions, you know where where's that going? How do you think uh, Jeb Bush did? How do you think um, – I mean, because it seems like, you know, it's kind of his to blow up and, and make big mistakes. He's just going to – seems like sit there. But how do you think he did overall? So I think because of that fact that, uh, you know, he has the most to lose, he also played it the most cautiously, I think. Right. Uh, so I don't think he definitely didn't win – but he didn't lose, as one as many pundits have said. You you probably can't win the president uh, the presidency in a debate, but you can lose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to overstep your your bounds. Did um, what do you think about Scott Walker? I mean, he's one of the national uh, front runners, and yet he didn't seem to shine. He didn't seem to say much. No, I yeah, that was a, to, to me that was was one of the biggest surprises. You, you know, he he's built this pretty comfortable lead, if you could say, at least among the non-Trump candidates. And, um, yeah, but he didn't, I don't know what it was. He just didn't connect. He didn't uh, somehow, I don't know. It didn't seem like he was nervous. It just seemed like he wasn't, maybe not, I I don't know, I guess, for sure he was taking it seriously. I don't want to say he didn't take it seriously, but it didn't appear 
to me that that you know he, he recognized mistakes. Right. It's almost like, yeah, it's like it took him by surprise. <laughs> like, oh, okay, here yeah. we are. But I guess there's more of these, right? We're going to have many of these debates, however many over time. How does this work when you look at it, Joe, kind of as a political insider? Do they just, when the money starts to dry up and they continue to stay at the bottom of the polls, do they just opt out? Or how long are people going to stay? Well, some will opt out. I, I couldn't say who, but, but in the in the category of the group of folks in the in the kids' table, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it's hard to see how, how they, how, aside from Fiorina, how any of them really emerge. Uh, I mean, Terry is okay, but nobody's talking about Terry the next day. Right. And everybody's talking about Fiorina. So uh, some, some of them will drop out. I, I have a feeling, though, that most of them are going to stay until Iowa, if there's any possible way, mm-hmm. because then they all hope lightning will strike uh, in, in some way. Yeah, you know, they, they think maybe they'll pull off a Huckabee. Yeah, um, be able to pull off Iowa, and you know, and then maybe not do so great in New Hampshire, but maybe do something interesting in uh, South Carolina. I mean, it's it's an interesting process, I, I guess, when we get to it, and. Um, the debates are one thing, and, and it's going to be interesting. I, I, I want to take a break and come back with you, Joe, and have you talk to us a little bit about – I don't know if you saw this new poll that uh, NBC put out, but it's with SurveyMonkey, and it's a little – it's strange to see who's who's in the lead. Uh, three of the top four are actually not even politicians. So um, I want to get your take on that and even your take on just, I mean, the re- the strength of the poll itself – uh, sure. You know, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting idea too how one poll could sway a lot of thinkers. We'll take a break, folks. Come back, continue this discussion, all things political today with Joe Cannon. He's our Washington insider, giving us his view on uh, what uh, we see from the debate and the fallout of the debate. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we're talking with Joe Cannon on the phone, our Washington insider. He's uh, also the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which you can find at fuelfreedom.org, an organization uh, with the goal of trying to lower your fuel costs here in the United States. And uh, he's actively working to do that. Joe, welcome back to the show, my friend. Okay, thanks, Matt. So uh, NBC News and SurveyMonkey put out a new poll uh, that they say is scientific, um, but in it they it says basically Donald Trump is leading the poll at 23 percent, Cruz 13 percent, Carson 11 percent, Fiorina 8 percent, and Rubio at 8 percent. So it basically puts at the top of the poll, um, or the survey, I think they're calling it, that Donald Ted Cruz, Ben Carson, and Carly Fiorina, three of the four of those, are not even active politicians. Well, I mean, yeah, it says that uh, it's a very interesting poll. I'll, yeah. I'll go back to some of the things in a minute, but, but just on that subject, 
I think people are sick of what they perceive as just uh, politicos running things. And people with fresh voices on the outside, uh, you know, especially as they speak with clarity, and, and all three of those, you know, Fiorina Trump and uh, Carson, they have good messages. They have, they're good, thoughtful. Uh, you know, they're, all three of them are such totally different personalities. But right. The thing they have in common is, you're right, they're not, they're not political. Although Fiorina did run for the U.S. Senate in California. Right. Um, but it's probably sharpened her up a lot. I mean, yeah, that was a big battle, right? That was a big election. The, you know, but the, the interesting thing, at least one of the ways they, could, they uh, NBC displayed the, the information, was in terms of, okay, who made the biggest changes, who, who improved their situation? And Cruz is a clear winner in that case. Did he, 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 he improved his, uh, you know, standing by 7%, yeah. uh, which is, you know, it's a lot. Um Purina by six, Carson by three. Interesting, Donald Trump really stayed about the same, uh, which is what a lot of people think, that maybe he's at the ceiling of his support, even though, you know, the headline was he improves, but 1% mm. in, a, in, a, in a range of plus or minus 3.5%. Uh, not, not a big jump. It's, it's pretty flat. Um, how could he stay flat? And as we talked earlier, the, the biggest losers were uh, losers, quote unquote, uh, were Bush and uh, Walker. Right. But not in terms of how they didn't approve themselves. Do you sense that he's Donald's got the group that he's got his followers? These are the the people that are really angry. Uh, are are these old? Um, are these the old Tea Partiers? I mean, who are these people that love Donald Trump? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, some of them are going to be Tea Partiers. Uh, some of them are just going to be libertarians who don't like either party and they want a third party. Mm. So we'll come back to that one in a second. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, I, I I don't know. I haven't honestly. I haven't seen a poll that sort of lays out who who they are. But it does look like he he might be at a a ceiling as opposed to a floor. Uh, he's got his his group, and they, they like him no matter what. Yeah, it almost it's almost no matter what he says, no matter who he offends, um, they they tend to to like him and to go with him. Did, what did you think of the, the questions? Some people are saying, you know, the questions were so unfair, but that very first question was such a telling question about whether the winner, if I mean the, whether the the candidate could support, or who could not support uh, the candidate that comes out of the Republican Party and and be behind him, and Donald was the only one that said he couldn't. Right. Is that an unfair yeah. question? I don't think that's an unfair question. I mean, the fact is, it's a Republican. It's kind of a similar kind of question could well be asked in a Democrat if there were right. you know, more more people in that that side. You want to know. Hey, who's going to support? Who's going to support the ultimate nominee? And the only guy who says he's not is the guy who's got the the biggest share of the vote right now. And you know, there are all kinds of analysis after why he did it. Was he protecting a position? But bottom line is that Trump is is only a newly converted Republican. He is seizing an opportunity. Um, you know, and I think the 
one that, that didn't get us, us quite as much play, but the fact that he was disinvited from the red state debate. So red state is a very conservative uh, um, uh, blog, and uh, they had their own debate. Most of the candidates went down to it. Trump was scheduled to go down to it. And Eric Erickson, the guy who runs the whole right. thing, disinvited him. Uh, I think what that, why that's interesting, well, it's interesting at a lot of levels, but Excuse me. The um, I think it's going to reinforce uh, Trump's thin-skinnedness mm-hmm. and say, you know what, I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go away and I'm going to and I'm going to run on my own. And I'll see what those mean Republicans who didn't love me. We'll show them, <laughs> and that's, that's he's going to elect Hillary Clinton if he if he if he runs. Yeah. In fact, I wanted to ask you about that as a, um, as a third party. Yeah. And the, one other thing that I did hear just recently by by uh, I can't remember if it was Chris Wallace or um, I can't remember who brought it up. But he said that question asking who whether you could support the eventual nominee, it's not it wasn't just to target to make sure Trump wasn't going to leave. It was also to ask everyone else on the panel if Donald Trump wins would they support his nomination? And, and they all said yes. And they all said yes. Yeah. And so but Donald took it as such an attack on him, like, oh, you're just trying to corner me. But uh, it could have also just proven to be validating that, you know, these people, at least if he's nominated, would support him. At what point does Donald become – at what point is Donald does Donald end and the Republican Party begin? I think a lot of people can't discern between – uh, is Donald a, is Donald a Republican? And because if he is staying in this, staying at this pace, offending women, offending a lot of people, might be skewing a lot of uh, you know independent voters to think that this is kind of a Republican view. Yeah, I mean, my own view is, is that Donald Trump is a is a narcissistic opportunist. I know everyone's used those words one one form or another, but but. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's contributed to Democrats. He's supported Democrats. He's supported Democratic policies. He's whether he's a Republican or not, he's definitely not a genuine conservative. The way that virtually everybody else on this list is, even though there are differences between them and and different nuances, I'd say that they're all, you know, fundamentally conservative. He's not that. He does not have an ideological, philosophical gyroscope. Mm. Period. You know, he's all, all about himself, and of course, he can make America great again with no, <laughs> you know, no particular uh, plan as to how to do that. Well, the Mexicans will pay for it, whatever the plan is. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. He'll make uh, them pay. I mean, a guy, a guy who wants to bomb the oil fields in Iraq to take care of ISIS—just uh, think about that for like three seconds. What does that do to the price of oil worldwide? Right. Uh, and it just hurts poor people. It it hurts our economy. It would be a terrible thing, mm. and and it wouldn't and it wouldn't eradicate ISIS. So it wouldn't a it wouldn't accomplish the goal. Of B it would be you know stepping on your own grenade. If exactly if you're if you're an advisor to these candidates, uh, Joe, what would you how would you advise them to not get sucked into the Trump drain? Well, I mean, depending on who the person is, like different people have different stakes in this. I think Fiorina probably 
uh, took the best tactic, and, and she she could uh, because of her status as an outsider, and in this in the particular case, as a woman. Yeah. Uh, uh, so varying, but you know, most of them took the position. Look, I'm just going to ignore him. Others decide, well, I'm going to go go after him. The way I would advise that a candidate would be simply. Uh, lay lay out the fact that he doesn't have this philosophical gyroscope that he is all over the place. We we couldn't count on him in any you know from a, a conservative perspective because again all these people are trying to uh, appeal not just to Republicans in general but a fairly conservative base of the, of the party and Donald Trump is not in that base uh, whatever else he is and so. So that's, I guess, a tactic uh, I would take. Mostly I would just say, look, let's just see what the voters say in, in Iowa and uh, yeah. Hampshire. I mean, it's got to be frustrating to, to go do an interview if you're Marco Rubio and then to have every question or your first three questions be about Donald right. or something he said. Yeah, yeah, for sure that's frustrating. Uh, yeah, because he's, he's the issue and it's hard to – say from a news perspective that he wouldn't be the issue. I mean, it's clearly he's a phenom. Yeah. Phenom. And, um, but I guess you turn it, right? You just say, you know, that's an interesting question. Spend one second on it and then spin it to what you would have done or what you would have said. I mean, you can take advantage of it. Yeah, which most of them do. Most of the good ones do. What do you think about Fiorina? Carly Fiorina had a really interesting point that, you know, if we go back to the same stage and time in all of the elections... Uh, with the same polls, the same pundits, and everything, everybody's saying the same thing. Jimmy Carter at this stage wouldn't have been elected. Reagan wouldn't have been elected. Clinton wouldn't have been elected. Bush, I mean, th- these people would not have been elected um, just at the same stage. So it's just way too early to really give any credence to any of this. That's actually the most important point. I mean, we're getting all uh, tangled up and thinking about these debates and how important they are. The next one's like uh, a little over a month away. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's when the rubber meets the road, where voters actually show up either at their caucuses in in uh, in Iowa or the polling booths. Yeah, that, that's where it, that, that's where it matters. And then there's the money the money side of that's awfully important too. And all of that ends up like like the free market itself shaking things out. Yeah. And and I mean, the funny thing is there's time here. One of the things I think that's interesting is that uh, Fox News, they were able to pull 24 million people in to this debate. So even if you don't like Trump, he is kind of like, you know, he's he's kind of like the 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 woman with the beard at the circus that (laughs) pulls everybody in. And it's um, it might be getting a lot of people to see some of these other people like Fiorina and others. Well, um, yeah, I mean, the viewership is very interesting. There was a story out this morning, actually, from CNN. It's over the weekend, I think it was on Sunday, that where they looked at the viewership as normally stated. Uh, so over the time period, how many people saw it? I mean, I, I, actually, I'm not sure which was which. But the point is, is that actually, uh, by looking at it another way, over the whole time period, 36 million people Holy cow. moved in to some of that debate, and maybe a significant part of it, so that that the actual top-line number uh, understated the number of people who look at it. So, And that, okay, uh, were a lot of people looking at it to, to look at the phenomenon of uh, Donald Trump? Yes. 
but um, they saw a lot. They saw a lot of Republican candidates, so some of them sounded pretty good. Yeah. And um, so, I, I mean, it, was, it, it, it may be an indication of just the hunger for something new and, and something different. Yeah. Uh, and Donald may have tapped into that, and maybe Fiorina and uh, Carson will, will tap into that. Well, there's also a really weird dynamic of Fox News fighting with conservatives. That's yeah, that's yeah. fascinating that's to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's and and even fighting really again with almost the Tea Partiers if those are the followers of Trump. But um, I don't know. It's it's almost like they forever. I don't know. What do you think? What's your take of? Well, of, I didn't think. I mean, I, I I didn't think they were necessarily fighting with them. I think they asked them pretty pretty good questions. Right. Pretty, Pretty tough questions. I don't. I don't really think any of them was particularly unfair. No, well, I, I see it almost in reverse, though. But the followers of Trump, who probably are a lot, many of them love watching Fox News, um, are actually really mad at Fox for asking such questions. It could be. It's it's such, isn't it interesting? It's I guess this is the the world where you know eventually your enemy is not your friend. Or, I did want to say one thing, though. I mean, uh, we're probably going to wrap up here in a minute. But yeah. Actually, in in the long arc of history, what could turn out to have been the most important thing to happen during the debates was Chuck Schumer announcing he was going to vote against no, exactly. the, uh, the president. I mean, that that is something that could have consequences. You know, a month, uh, six months, years from now. Yeah, the the, the uh, next minority Senate leader, right? Uh, yeah, choosing to go against his party and his president. Yeah, the guy who's the presumptive uh, leader. Uh, he'll either be the minority leader when Reid leaves, or the majority leader if they if they take the Senate back again, which they could. Yeah, in twenty sixteen, uh, Democrats could. So, yeah, that was a seismic. A seismic move. And it, do you think it'll pull people with him? Will others it that are... Has pulled, it already has pulled some people with him now. He, he went out of his way to say that he wasn't going to, as they say, whip this. In other words, uh, try to enforce everybody else on his side to vote with him. Yeah. So, But it definitely gives permission to uh, people who are on the fence, maybe, to, to come over and vote against the uh, president. Some are saying, though, that he wouldn't have done it if he knew the president didn't have the votes. Does the president? Do you think the president's sincerely worried he won't get the get the the um, this to pass, or do you think you know the numbers are already there? Well, um, I, as we, we talked last week. I think the numbers are there uh, uh, in in one or both houses for the president to win this thing. Right, but. Having said that, uh, judging from the reaction from the White House and from the supporters of the president just mercilessly attacking Schumer, yeah. I don't think this was just cosmetic. Right. So uh, now whether Schumer's undertaken to really deliberately torpedo it other than just voting against it, I don't know his heart and soul on that, but... The fact is, I don't think it was a cosmetic move on his part. He he uh, he laid it out pretty carefully in a very thoughtful statement, 
and he's getting absolutely savaged by the president supporters. Mm. So. Yeah, so that's telling you something. That's interesting. Wow. Uh, no, that, and that is some, some pretty important news. Anything else you think we need to be focusing on before we wrap it up? No, the debates. <laughs> we can keep talking endlessly about the debates. But, uh, um, but yeah, no, no the, the one thing I did want to bring up was the Schumer thing. Yeah. I mean, that was a genuinely historic, uh, historic thing. I, I mean, that's gutsy. That's a gutsy move for him. Yeah. I mean, I guess a principled move, really, because he has such a strong... I guess contingency with uh, with the Jewish community in New York. Uh, well, that's a big, big piece of it. But you have uh, you know more than half. Speaking of surveys, I mean more than half of the people in the country disapprove of this deal. Yeah. So a lot a lot of politicians are looking at their constituents and and that you know there aren't that many Jews and Americans that drive this whole policy. Sure. Uh, and I speak as someone who's very strongly. Uh, aligned with the Israeli Jewish view on this, but to just take that aside, the public in general is not supporting this disagreement. Yeah. Man. Uh, interesting stuff. That'll be an interesting little showdown as well to see how that plays out. Well, Joe Cannon, we appreciate you. Keep up the good work and uh, safe travels. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks. You bet. Again, Joe Cannon, CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation and our Washington insider, just is in the know, you know? Been everything from a chairman of a Republican Party in a state to a candidate for Senate. He's in the know, folks. We'll take a break, come back, do a quick uh, wrap-up. I want to talk a little bit about a quote uh, that uh, Carly Fiorina had about character, that uh, the election process shows our character. We'll get into that. We'll be talking character after the break. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, when we think about uh, this election or choosing your president, it's it's a really it's a really big choice, right? And and it's a choice that I think uh, should be based in character. After the election, I mean, after the debate, uh, Donald Trump said some things that uh, were offensive to Megyn Kelly, the the interviewer that from Fox News that interviewed him and asked him some questions. And and one of the things that he offended is he basically just said that it was probably, he inferred it may have had something to do with her, basically her hormones, her her cycle. And um, this is a, this is a, a quote uh, I want to play that Carly Fiorina was at, this is her response to um, to that whole experience. Let's listen to what she said. You cannot have a president who is thin-skinned. If you think a question is tough, imagine the pressure of actually being in the Oval Office. And that's why I think as crazy as this presidential campaign process is, it does, in fact, give voters a window into how people respond under pressure. She, she says the process ex- basically exposes the character of our candidates. And so I went and looked up the word character. And let me just read five or four quotes that are just literally the top. They were five out of the top 10. Be more, according to John Wooden, the great basketball coach, be more concerned with your character than your reputation, because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. 
Tell me that you're not seeing that in our political process. H.L. Mencken said, The difference between a moral man and a man of honor is that the latter regrets discreditable acts even when, even when it has worked and he has not been caught. A person of character would still regret a discreditable act. Here's another one by Goethe. Uh, Men show their character in nothing more clearly than what they think laughable. Does that, I mean, does that not apply to what we saw in some of the debates? Um, and again, our character is more is defined by what we do more than what uh, we think. And our character is defined by what we do when we think no one is looking. Uh, another great quote here. Um, Solid character will reflect itself in consistent behavior, while poor character will seek to hide behind deceptive words and actions. When wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. When character is lost, all is lost. We'll come back. Hour number two next up on The Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. The uh, show where we give you the tools, the ideas, everything you need to grow healthier, happier lives. Welcome to the program. Today is no exception. Uh, We've got a great day for you. By the way, uh, many, many days we're celebrating. Many different things we're celebrating today. Today is probably the busiest day of celebration that that I've seen in in a long time. August 10th it is, and which means Lazy Day. Today we're celebrating, celebrating Lazy Day, which is actually quite a surprise for me because I celebrate that day every day. Every day is a lazy day. It's like, you know, Mother's Day, you... You take that time to honor your. Shouldn't you honor your mother every day? Same thing. Yeah. Lazy day it should, should be honored, honored. The lazy observed on a daily. So basis. for all of you that uh, don't have the rush of work today, you're just home lounging around listening to the show. Happy day for you. Uh, the rest of us are working. Um, S'mores day also a, an excellent day. Ah, you gotta love them. They're hard to make. They take time, and you need a fire apparently. But uh, also one of my favorite days, Duran Duran Appreciation Day. We're going to be playing that one for uh, BYU Sports Nation, Duran Duran. Um, just, you know, great 80 rockers. Boy, iconic. Uh, World <laughs> Lion Day as well. And Skysca- Skyscraper Appreciation oh, Day. Oh, I put that one in. I thought I'd take that out. No, we got it. It's a big day. It's a big day. And, um, you know, when you can combine them all together, listen to a little Duran Duran while you're lounging, watching a skyscraper and petting your pet lion. Eating a s'mores. Eating a s'more. You have made the perfect day. Right. By the way, today is World Lion Day, and it reminds me of an article I found um, by that about you remember the Cecil the lion, the Zimbabwean lion killed, m- murdered by the bow hunter from Minnesota. Lots of outrage surrounding. That. Outrage. People were ticked off. But it's internet outrage. It's interesting. It is internet outrage, and apparently, a lot of the people in Zimbabwe didn't even know about Cecil. And really don't know what all the fuss was about. So here we are. We have prominent night show hosts crying. Yes. Uh, a lot Kimmel. of people are angry. Uh, this The hunter is 
now not able in, to open he, his employment. He's he in may, hiding. He yes. may go to prison. In you see, Zimbabwe. people were vandalizing his second home in Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He has a second home. Of course he does. He goes to Africa to shoot things. He has lots of money. Yeah. So he has a home in Florida. Well, that's okay then. Vandalizing the out. home there. So yeah, but the man's in hiding. He's in hiding, and yet, and it was it's horrible. The animal shouldn't have been killed. And um, yet, while the death of a protected lion in Zimbabwe, it's caused outrage in the United States, most of the people in Zimbabwe expressed a degree of bafflement over the concern. They, it says that Cecil, the star of the National Park, that beautiful lion, had been lured out and then killed by the American bow hunter Walter James Palmer. Now, here's the problem. Um, a lot of the, the, what they're saying is outside of environmentalists and activist circles— the reaction from the average Zimbabwean, not much. If it's so cruel, but I don't understand the whole fuss, they said. It's so cruel, I don't, but I don't understand the whole fuss. There's so many pressing issues in Zimbabwe. We have water shortages, electricity, no jobs, yet people are making noise about a lion, said one of the residents. I saw Cecil once when I visited the game park. I will probably miss him, but honestly, the attention is just too much. They're like saying we need to worry more about our economy. And some would then say, well, that's, you know, that's why you got to kill lions because it brings hunters in to pay yes. money. The uh, the actions last week by several airlines to say that they're not going to ship any of these animals right. that are that are hunted and ship them back to, you know, wherever they're going probably, you know, in this case back to the United States, yeah. that that will hurt tourism in Africa, because right. in many of these countries, this is a huge part of their economy. Is when this uh, what I guess they call it safari tourism, or well, however sure. they call I mean, it. That, I mean, that's what you export. You know, you ex- we have right. a lot of national parks here in Utah where we live, and you know, we wouldn't want to make it so people couldn't come enjoy the parks. So if it's a safari they want, and I'm sure the majority of safari goers aren't shooting animals; they're taking pictures. I mean, I would bet that that's a pretty common thing. I know right. a lot of people that go over. and, But in the end, um, you know, it is just, so you know, World Lion Day. But it's interesting. When you look at the news, not everything you hear is as it is. Right. Can you believe that? Facebook doesn't really shape the world. No. Maybe your world. Yeah. But in, in the, the grander sense, it might be, there might be some more concerns out there rather than Yeah, you, you might want to dig a little deeper as we say on the show a lot. Hey, uh, we've got a great topic coming up in just a few minutes. Um, do you know what makes you attractive to others? Animal it's, magnetism? Uh, yeah, because like, that's the funny thing about Ben. When Ben walks back where all the other producers are, they're all loving on him. It's weird. They love him. Yeah, they have nicknames for him. Uh-huh. They talk about him uh-huh. when he's not there. Yeah, when he they walks ask, by, they're like, Row. They ask me, is, is Ben here? Yeah. Except they call him Benny. Yeah, Benny, because that's is a term Benny of endearment. Here? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really also weird. a drug, I think. It's an Ill- illegal drug on Could the be. street. Could be. Street um, name. But uh, we're going to now teach Ben what makes you attractive. Uh, Dr. Henry Weisinger is going to be joining us. Thanks so much for the segment. I really need it. You bet. All we're right. doing it for you. We're doing it totally for you. So he'll be joining us in just a minute. So if you've ever wondered what really is the driver of attraction, stick with us because it may not be what you're thinking. It's probably not your hair. It's not your complexion. In my, you know, in my case, it's not my abs. Do those things help? Probably, but I think there's something else going on. Oh, something deeper. It's going to be some like personality trait. It's going to be something that you're just – that you're Like honesty or something. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> 
Stick with us. We'll give you the answer to that. But before that, let's get to our headlines with Terry South. Late Sunday, at least 15 gunshots rang out during a demonstration marking the first anniversary of the fatal shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, during a press conference earlier this morning. This is uh, after that situation that happened with the gunshots. St. Louis County Police Chief John Belmar spoke to the press. He engaged the uh, officers at the time. There were four officers who were in that van. All four fired at the suspect, and the suspect uh, fell there. The suspect, Tyrone Harris Jr. of St. Louis, is in critical, unstable condition and is in surgery. Belmar said the shots were fired by four plainclothes police officers who were not wearing body cameras. The officers will be placed on administrative leave pending an investigation and were at the protest looking for possible shooters. Belmar said he is unsure how many shots were fired and by how many guns, but there were several people shooting. As a community, we cannot sustain this, he said. Donald Trump still atop the polls after the Republican debate, despite coming under fire for his controversial comments made about Fox News anchor and moderator Megyn Kelly. Donald Trump did not fall out of favor with Republican primary voters from the debate in an online poll conducted Friday and Saturday. NBC News found that Trump still maintained a hefty lead over his rivals for the GOP presidential nomination with 23 percent of voter support. Senator Ted Cruz vaulted to second place with 13 percent, while Jeb Bush fell to sixth. With 7% of the vote, Trump defended his comments about Megyn Kelly by explaining why women should still vote for him. Women's health issues are such a big thing to me and so important. And, you know, I have many women that work for me. I was one of the first people in the construction industry in New York to put women in charge of projects. I mean, I have it even today, and I have many women at high positions. I've, You know, I've gotten a lot of credit for that. So there you go. That's why were, women were people vote. cheering. For- no, that was some uh, video they were rolling behind. Oh, okay, because I'm thinking, oh, they're cheering because he's done that. Yeah. I know, but okay, but you can't then say what he says. Yeah, you can. Well, I mean, but so then you're duplicitous. So absolutely, you, you believe in women enough to put some of them in leadership positions to lead on some projects in some places. It's and- almost. It's almost that he should be forgiven for his verbal misstep. Yeah. By not acknowledging he – he does acknowledge that there was a misstep, but also look what I've done for women. So if I did do something, I should be yeah. forgiven for that. If he did, so he should have just said, you know, I'm so sorry. If that was misinterpreted that way, truly sorry. But he won't say that. I know because that would be death. I have tried this in my own home. This does not fly. My wife shoots Saying, it down. Saying sorry. Says, just because you said that, but in previous times you were yeah. positive in this area. See, that's the quote. You no. can't talk your way out of something you behaved your way into. It's fun to try, though. Mm, nice try. Uh, going on, according to the Huffington Post media reporter, Michael Calderon, Fox News has only mentioned Donald Trump's sexist comments once since Friday, while CNN has brought it up over 50 times, a fact that was confirmed by CNN. Yes. New Yorker Magazine's Gabriel Sherman additionally tweeted that his Fox sources say producers have been given explicit instructions from senior executives to keep the incriminating comments off the air. Hmm. Fox is just trying to stay out of it. Are they trying to stay out of it? Well, I mean, that, I that's what they're in, that's I think what they're what's happening, though, is but MSNBC and CNN, they're taking care of it. <laughs> they're discussing it. But and this will all switch. So when CNN yeah. hosts it. Right. Yeah. 
It's all just it's and wink wink. That's kind of where you get some of the bias situations in when the when you put the news organizations involved in that's these right. these debates. Sometimes well, and some are arguing, man, that's all. See now the liberals, these liberal press, they're just right. they just keep going with it. And as each debate changes, it'll be a news a new news group in charge of it, and you'll start seeing how coverage shifts exactly. depending on what happens. The Environmental Protection Agency taking the blame for the hu- a huge leak of contaminated water into the Colorado River. Government officials said Sunday 3 million gallons spilled into the Animas River. That is three times larger than the original estimate. The once clean waterway, popular with kayakers, is now filled with a yellow, mustardy-looking contaminated water. Ew. Local residents being told not to use the water, keep livestock away from the river. The EPA was digging a dam at a mine to install a drain pipe and in the process accidentally dumped problematic con- uh, concentrations of zinc, iron, and contaminants into the runoff channel which then flowed into the creek and then further, it's a tributary into the Colorado. Now it's in New Mexico, it's uh, entering Utah, ugh. it's turning into a But if you water. are low in zinc and iron, not a bad place to hang out. You can overdose. Float you, the river. If you want to drink mustard yellow, it is. you look at the pictures online, thick yellow. Uh, ugh. I love mustard though. Nasty. Like on a hot dog? Mm. I think it's different. Two teens struck by lightning. What? While they were on a date. Thursday in Claremont, California. It's just a good thing they were holding hands. CNN reports that uh, Lexi Varga and Dylan Carillas were struck by lightning while walking to get burgers that likely saved them from serious injury because they were holding hands. It helped to diffuse the electrical current that ran through their bodies, a doctor tells a local TV station. Wow. Despite being thrown three feet and feeling like they'd been hit by a piece of metal, the teens finished their date, only later to go to a doctor when their parents uh, made them. The doctor told the teens that the lightning probably entered... The uh, trying to see here entered the boy's head and exited through the girl's left foot. Ouch! Are they okay? Apparently, do you know how a little cool. banged up? But... What if they had been kissing? Ugh. Like that would have like taught. Ah! And then if one of them had braces, kissing is powerful. Oof. But man, again, that's just for all of us. We need to hold hands more. That's what it comes down you to. You never know. It will save your life when your head might take a lightning strike. Mm. Wow. That's kind of cool. They have to get married. People that have been struck by lightning together, you got to get married. I mean, I don't want to force anybody to do anything, but it's a sign from God. You got to get married. Ben even agrees. Uh, Ben even said if he got struck by lightning, he'd get married to someone. Didn't you, Ben? Yeah, but if I never get struck by lightning, I'm never going to marry anybody. Ben, if you keep walking through and all the other producers are like, whoa, I like the Benny. Then we got to close the deal. I'll help you with that. Hey, everybody, um, what would you say is the number one quality guaranteed to make you more attractive to the opposite sex? Stick with us. Uh, we've got a great uh, interview with Dr. Henry Weisinger coming up. He's going to be talking about an article he wrote in Psychology Today the one thing, the one trait that makes you much more attractive to everyone else. We'll give you the insight on that one. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, we go through a lot. 
to look attractive, don't we? To be appealing to that special somebody. We put on sprays and deodorants. We dress to impress. We accentuate our strengths. Additionally, we've all heard saying, "Don't the, the saying, don't judge a book by its cover, right? So what makes a person attractive beyond appearance? Our guest today, Dr. Henry Weisinger, is uh, joining us on the phone to talk to us about the, a quality that he believes is guaranteed to make you more attractive to others. Dr. Weisinger, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Happy to be with you. Great to have you here. And I mean, it really is. I mean, you've you've written on a lot of subjects: emotional intelligence. You've written on just in, in kind of intuition and and being um, and and how genius is kind of um, it's kind of I guess a I, I, let me give you the exact name of the book: uh, the genius of instinct. You've written other books on performing under pressure. What on earth makes you think you're ever going to figure out the code of attraction? Well. The reality is it's not really uh, Hank Weisinger thinking about what the code of attraction is. It is really Mother Nature. Hmm. Is that uh, we have certain uh, attributes that we have. Uh, some use those attributes more than others. And the reason we have them, the reason they have developed, is they give us a evolutionary edge, meaning that they help us advance in lives, whether it's at work or whether it's in our relationships. Huh. And the idea of attraction uh, ties into what we call the beauty instinct. Now, if you go into a supermarket, for example, and you're looking for a piece of fruit, which peach do you select? the one that looks uh, really ripe, or the one that is wilted. Hmm. Right, yeah, you're not going to go pick a bunch of bruised, beat-up fruit. Right, so start to think, what is the function of beauty? The function of beauty is to attract, is to pull things towards us. You know, one of the things that has happened in our society when we meet people, or when we are fixed up, or people are fixed up on dates, uh, we, you know, the person says, first question is always, what does the person look like? Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, if the person isn't great looking, we tend to say, well, they have a great personality. They're really nice. <laughs> yeah. It becomes a code of, you know, they're not that pretty or, or handsome. Indeed, I don't think anybody listening has ever been to a party and has said, you know what, I think I want to cross this crowded room so I can meet that ugly person on the other Right. The other side. So the idea that we say that uh, looks are not important is totally ridiculous uh, because the function of those looks, the function of beauty is to pull people towards you. Now, the reality is you take that best looking peach home from the supermarket. If you don't eat it for three or four days and, you know, you leave it on your counter well, four days later, it doesn't look so great. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. And that is what happens with a sense of physical beauty. It, it, it changes. It, it, dies, uh, it dies away. And by the way, most people say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But the reality is some people have better eyes than others. There is a universal definition of beauty that cuts across uh, all cultures. And each attribute that makes up that evolutionary 
definition of beauty um, has um, reproductive value, you know, a certain hip size for breeding kids, a certain breast size for, uh, you know, breastfeeding. Uh, I can tell you that back on the Savannah that when a woman had blonde hair, you, you know the expression, blondes have more fun? Uh-huh. You know, where did that come from? The, and, and from an evolutionary point of view, uh, when the caveman did not say, hey, look at that hot blonde, uh, blonde hair was an indication of youth, meaning uh, fertility. Yeah. So the blonde hair pulls people towards her, towards her not because of her physical look, but because of her youth. Now, today that makes no sense. A 90-year-old woman can get a bottle of peroxide. That's right. Uh, Color it up. Hair, That's right. Uh, but she is not going to be fertile. So I started thinking and, and looking from an evolutionary point of view, what are the attributes that have evolved that pull people towards us? If you wanted to make yourself attractive to other people, what would be the the attributes. Now, you mentioned some in terms of the cosmetic, you know, reason. Right. Uh, well, I want to lose some weight. And, you know, we know that there are many people who um, we would say are not the slim model type who are in very happy relationships. So obviously, in, in, in beautiful people, I used to tell my daughter, movie stars get divorced too. <laughs> so we know that there has to be something more than than beauty. And one of the things that I stumbled on that makes a person attractive to another is being supportive, being supportive to them. There's a couple that we can talk about, but being supportive to another person makes you more attractive. And I want listeners to think, why? How do you feel when somebody's supportive to you? You feel like you can trust them. You feel like uh, they're not a threat. They're not a threat. And, and, and what else? If you come home and you had a bad day at at work or when mm. you were just first starting out and you had a bunch of interviews and you said to your partner, you know, I spoke to this station, this station, nobody's interested in me, I'm no good. And if your supportive person said, well, you know what, you're going to find something tomorrow, you're great, I believe in you, mm. how does that make you feel? Yeah, you feel good, you feel loved, you feel positive. Okay, we want to be with people who make us feel that way. This is one one of the major reasons that I used to hear when I would do a lot of therapy. I used to live in L.A. Now I'm living in Connecticut. So I always say when you live in L.A., you have to do therapy. But I was licensed to to do it. And I would say that in many of the um, relationships uh, in terms of couples, a major problem would be one spouse saying about the other, they're not supportive of me. Nobody wants to be with somebody who's not supportive. Nobody wants to work for a boss who isn't supportive. No, that's right. So the, more, the more, the more uh-huh. we can. I was just going to say the more, um, and, and there's a lot of research now about uh, kind of the need for our parents when we're young and attachment theories to know that we're supportive, cared for, watched after, and how how it can impact our relationships later in life. We're speaking with Dr. Henry Weisinger. Let's take a break, uh, Dr. Weisinger. I want to come back and then have you explain to us. About uh, about this this one quality, this quality of supportiveness, and the impact that it can have on our lives. Also, would love to get some ideas for how I could be a more supportive partner, a more supportive, you know, coworker, business worker, or employee, so that we can um, 
even find more opportunities in our life. Again, we're speaking with Dr. Henry Weisinger, the author of the the new uh, New York Times bestseller, Performing Under Pressure, The Science of Doing Your Best When It Matters the Most. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, when you think about attraction and uh, how you're attracted to another person, would you believe that uh, being supportive could be the answer? The, the one trait that pretty much could guarantee to make you more attractive to others This concept of being supportive uh, was talked about in an article on Psychology Today's uh, website uh, from our guest today, Dr. Henry Weisinger. He wrote the article, The One Quality Guaranteed to Make You More Attractive. He's also a New York Times bestselling author with a new book out called Performing Under Pressure, The Science of Doing Your Best When It Matters Most. Dr. Weisinger, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Great to have you here. Okay, it's great to hear. And, you know, another thing I was thinking about during the break is think how many people uh, attribute their failure in life because they don't have any support systems. Sure, yeah. You know, that, and how many people when they, you know, why do people go to, whether to rehab, diet centers to lose? Why does an organization like Weight Watchers or AA have support groups? Mm-hmm. Because this is basically a human need that we all have. We all need to have support because its evolutionary function is that it helps us deal with adversity and it makes us feel confident. And we want to feel confident. Confident is a very pleasant feeling. Is, so is there a way to be, be with... unhealthy? Can I be, can I be supportive in an unhealthy way? Well, that is really an interesting question. And I think a lot of people confuse um, support with acceptance. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying, so I think that's where it can get you into trouble if you start supporting, being supportive of a person when in reality you don't accept what they are doing. Uh, you can be supportive of a of a partner who has a drinking problem, but you have to make sure that doesn't become a license to encourage them to still be um you know, drinking. Yeah, to be addicted or, or, or to have an unhealthy addiction. Yeah, exactly. And I think where that, where people, uh, where that confusion is comes up, is when we always say the importance of listening. And people say, if you look on LinkedIn, you see a zillion articles, and they will all say, you know, to listen, not evaluatively. Mm-hmm. Like when your kids come home from school, and you want to be supportive, to listen to them, uh, not evaluatively. Well, that's impossible. Anytime somebody says something to you, you are immediately evaluated. You're hardwired to do that. Two people who approach you uh, in early times and they come to your tribe, as soon as you look at them, you are evaluating them. Mm -hmm. Are they friend or are they foe? What people mean to say is that you don't want to respond in an evaluative type of of matter. I have let my uh, friends and, or, or my kids know many times I'm being supportive, but I disagree with the strategy 
that they are using. But I will still be supportive in their efforts to implement that strategy if they if they believe in it. But it's something that I think might be silly or that I disagree. I disagree with that. You can be so supportive where, of the individual, right, without agreeing or disagreeing. Exactly. Yeah. Look, you know, if you go out and try this and it fails, uh, it's not like I'm going to um, abandon you. I'm still going to be here to support you, but I want you to know that I don't think this is a great idea. Yeah. But you can always come back. And, yeah, in other words, you don't threaten the security of the, of the relationship. My kids uh, and many other parents, they know that I'm always behind them. But that doesn't mean that I always accept uh, their philosophies or, or what they are what they are what they are doing now that's a big difference than a person who says okay um, I uh, support you and I um, accept everything that you are doing that could get you into into trouble mm. so that's an important distinction yeah to, to respond without making evaluations but you're still going to make those evaluations when you're listening I mean, I guess that that's what you brought up was such a great point in that we're humans. A, a lot of what's going on is happening happening instinctively, right? It's just – it's our nature. It's the evolution of the being. So some of that I'm going to do naturally, but how I respond is something I can control. And yes. And you know what's also interesting? I mean, we're talking about giving support, but we're also hardwired. It's called care soliciting to ask for support. Now, when was the last time you saw – in a movie or in a TV show where a man actually asks his wife for support. Mm -hmm. Because because the social message that many of us have seen is that if, that if you ask for support it's perceived as a weakness because it makes you it makes you vulnerable. And many times giving a presentation I would say, All right, how many of you like to feel vulnerable? Nobody raises their hand. Because that's a, a feeling of weakness. What's right. ironic is that 25,000 years ago, vulnerability was an asset because it told you that you were at risk. And that one of the ways that you could protect yourself from that risk would be to get support from others. If you're watching a TV show um, and the man says, I need support, you know, what kind of weakling are you? You have to be strong and so on. Right. Many women don't ask their partners. Well, if you loved me, you would just support me naturally. I shouldn't have to ask for it. Exactly. But yeah. we have to tell a person. You know, I've seen many women, the super women, who are working as executives. They're taking care of their kids. They're taking care of a household. And rather than ask for support to do it for any of this, they'd rather get migraine headaches and go to a therapist. <laughs> right. So people have to feel comfortable. Uh, and that's what support does then, support. right? That that being that's supportive right. of somebody allows them to feel comfortable, to be vulnerable, which is healthy. It's, it can heal. It can be healing. Absolutely. And and also it feels good to support another person. Remember, the, the function of, of support is really to help a person develop. I mean, what is the function of why parents – nobody has to tell a parent really to be supportive of their five-year-old. Mm -hmm. you, do, you do that – you do that automatically. But what happens many times is when we get angry at a person, we withdraw support. A female wolf who, who is angered by her male uh, partner doesn't withhold support. Animals don't do that. Humans are the only species that when they are angry at their mate, 
they withdraw support even when you know the person needs it. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the husband or the wife come home, they've had a brutal day, they're feeling down, you're angry at them because they forgot to uh, pick up the cleaning or they didn't pick up something for dinner, and you're not going to be supportive to them for that because of your own emotions. Interesting. And, you know, to me, that's, that's nuts. Mm-hmm. And that's why people get themselves in trouble. They get disconnected with their natural need. And some ways of how you can be supportive is to make encouraging statements directly to the person. Things like, well, I believe in you. I know you can, I know you can do this if you put your, if your mind to it. When, when people need support, they're usually feeling down. So as a strategy, you have to start thinking, how can I get the person to feel a little more up? Mm-hmm. What can I do? And, in, in, and just listening sometimes. Listening validates feelings. Many people, you know, there was a study once that a psychologist did where he put 10 tape recorders and he found that patients talking to, into a tape recorder with no response actually ended up feeling better. Really? So it always gave me the idea of opening up a clinic where I would have uh, 10,000 tape recorders and see let people come in and just talk into the tape recorder just disclosing your feelings. But a lot of people don't even want to listen to to it. I get guilty of that also. You know, my daughter can call me. She's in uh, manages a high visibility store and retail, experiences a lot of pressure in that business. And when she calls me to discuss something, uh, you know, sometimes I'm watching Shark Tank. I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> yeah, I'm busy. And she can tell, exactly. right? She can detect that. I guess that's another thing is we can detect supportiveness at a very kind of, I'm assuming, like almost energy level, at a very basic level. Well, I think that's a good observation. How, how do you do that? What, what do you find that you are responding to when you're talking, whether it's somebody, a friend or somebody at work? How, how do you tell whether the person is being supportive? supportive? Almost if they're attentive, right? If I sense that they actually heard what I said, if they can, if they refer back to what I was talking about, if they if they continue to for, you know look for more information about it instead of trying to change the subject, being okay. present in it. Yeah, I, I think those are great cues, and it's also important for the listener to just take what you said and turn it around as a way of giving support. So, you know, you said referring back. So you would probably think that if you tell me about an issue that you're having at work on a Tuesday, and then we speak a following week, and I make reference to that, how does that impact you? Yeah, that's big. You actually heard what I said. And you followed up. Yeah, you're still wondering. You still you're care. saying that guy really listened to me. Mm-hmm. I used to feel as a therapist that would be crucial. You know, in terms of when the, a client comes in, many times I would bring up things that we spoke about last week because that would show that I was listening and that I was in tune. So that is one. Then you mentioned, you know, attentiveness. How do you know somebody, if you're talking to them, if they're attentive to you? They're actually there. They're there hearing in the moment they're responsive they're smiling when i'm smiling they're kind of they're serious when i'm serious they're leaning in they're they're there okay so their emotions are in sync with are in sync with yours yeah yeah whether, yeah they're paralleling your, me yeah okay whether it's your facial expressions so that's another way if we turn that around you know i i think that that one of the mistakes that people make when 
somebody comes to them, you know, especially their partner, and they say, I need to talk to you, and the person says, I'm listening, but they're reading the newspaper, and they are, or they're watching TV. One of the things I learned is that when my kids would come to me, if I was busy, I would say, you know what, I, I need to do this now, but we'll talk in a half hour, rather than try to divide my attention. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's another important point that if you can't, if it is, if it isn't a good time, then tell the person it's not a good time because it's, it's not going to be authentic anyway. You're you're preoccupied. Yeah, you'd and probably had, be better to be honest, right? And and then absolutely. get back to it in a half hour. Absolutely. I mean, I've had my kids many times when they would want to talk to me. I say, okay, I'm listening. They say, well, could you turn off the TV set? <laughs> You know, get off your your computer, right? And then, and when I find when I do that, it makes the relationship better because I'm attending more, yeah, and I'm more in tune with what they are, with what they are saying. It really so, is. It's just it's ahead. it's caring, right? I mean, it's but it, there's there's always signs. I guess that's one of the really interesting things I'm learning is to look for the signs, and you could find out what your partner needs from you to know that you're supportive. How ask. Okay, so that would be one way to ask. Also look for inconsistencies. You know, many times in a, in a work situation, for example, if I'm your manager and I say, okay, well, how do you feel about working with, uh, with Jack? And you start to respond, well, um, yeah, I think that will be, uh, I think I can do that. Now, hmm. I'm going to point out or say something. It doesn't sound like you're really excited because I'm looking at the, speech rhythm. Yeah. I'm looking at the hesitations. I mean, how many times does somebody leave you a message on the phone and they say, call me? And just by listening to the tone of their voice, you know whether it's good news or bad news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you that's know. Another, yeah, that's another cue that I would tell listeners to respond to is the emotional tone. Because does the person sound anxious? Does the person sound angry? What does an anxious person sound like? Yeah. What does an angry person sound like? What does a happy person sound like? The more that you can differentiate between those sounds, because remember, sound carries emotion. That's why when you go to a movie and you hear the music, it changes your mood immediately. That's why when you watch an episode of Seinfeld for the 50th time and you laugh, it's because they have a laugh track in the back. It becomes <laughs> contagious. So cueing into the to the sound of a of a voice, the facial expressions gives you great insight into what the person's emotional landscape is, and then you can start to zero in on that particular emotion and help the person. Oh, it really is, and it's uh, this gets into our emotional intelligence. I know something that you've written a lot about. And, but when it when it comes down to it, again, we're speaking with Dr. Henry Weisinger. Really, these emotional skills that you're expressing and just and talking about, they're learnable, right? You're not just born with them. You you could learn to become more and more effective at this emotional supportive level. Absolutely, we all have the natural tools. You know, I used to say like with emotional intelligence, we're all born with emotional intelligence. The question is, are you developing it? And are you applying it? One one of the um, tips for parents, I wrote an article once called Tutored by Television for TV Guide, and it was how to use TV to raise the emotional intelligence of your kids. But you can do it with your partner, too. So you're watching a TV show, 
Uh, I used to watch 90210 with my daughter for 13 years. Hmm. And that show gave me a forum to talk about everything that was important in her life or what she was experiencing. Issues of teen sexuality, peer pressure, uh, academic pressure. And I would say, uh, you know, Bree, how would you handle this situation? Now, true, I could only talk during the commercials, but it became a, a stimulus. Yeah. And, and just like if you're watching a movie with your partner to discuss the film and talk about the feelings that it evoked in you is very powerful because the more you talk about your feelings, the more your partner will talk about their feelings. Yeah. And really to give support, I think you have to be communicating, not on a superficial level, but you have to be exchanging feeling information um, because that's that makes us more genuine. Feelings really reveal who you are. They tell the other person how you are experiencing the world. The problem is that when a person comes and they want to talk to you about something that is important, many times it's a threat. You know, a wife or a husband who wants to talk to their partner about making their relationship better, many times the other partner hears that as threatening. Yeah, yeah. As a result, they get defensive, and then it gets out of hand and turns into an argument. Mm. Yeah, and then off we go. Comfortable. Yeah, you have to be comfortable with talking about feelings. It's good stuff. I mean, it really is. Uh, and again, it, it's attractive. It's a, it's an attractor. Dr. Henry Weisinger, thank you so much uh, for your great work there. Again, you can go find more about Dr. Weisinger on his website, drhenryweisinger.com, and, um, and learn more. I mean, blogs galore there to go read about um, everything he's been teaching us. We'll take a break, my friends. Continue um, learning about our own emotional strength, do a little coach's corner after the break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. You know, when you think about it... um, the lessons we just learned from Dr. Henry Weisinger, this idea that supportive, being supportive is the number one trait uh, that's that makes you a very attractive person. I mean, really think about it. Physical attraction aside, in the end, a lot of what we complain about is our lack of support, the lack of attention, the lack of safety, the lack of appreciation or respect or dedication from our partner. And so, Man, if we could, if we could just somehow, truly, get into this uh, art, this emotional intelligent skill of being a supportive partner, it might be pretty interesting how you might be able to change the world. Listen to this um, crazy story though that came out of New York City. New York City tried to fire an employee for missing about eighteen months of work, though he was dead during some of that time. Okay. The City Human Resource Administration accused the $38,000 a year Medicaid eligibility specialist of abandoning his job as of November 2013. An administrative law judge recommended last month that Jeffrey Tolliver be fired, noting that he didn't appear for a July 1st hearing. He couldn't because he was dead of cancer um, last December at age 65. So he didn't appear for the July hearing, but it's because he had died of cancer in December. 
A spokesman says the Human Resources Agency took steps after calls and certified letters to Tolliver's home. And uh, when all those calls went unanswered for over a year, they had to take steps. They got to get serious about stuff. And um, a- Anthony Tolliver says he believes his brother's family apprised his employer of his long hospitalization and death, um, but apparently they didn't get the message. So as we sit there and talk about supportive, if you're a coworker and your fellow coworker is suffering from cancer, do you know it? Again, people can be private, but man, are we so not connected with our coworkers and our and the people in our lives that we don't know somebody's been dead for six months? We don't even know enough about them to track down a family member, to find a Facebook page. Anyway, just think about it. What kind of coworker are you? What kind of partner are you? Are you supportive? Are you are you the kind of person? that can detect when your partner is down and sad and frustrated or bummed out, and do you care enough to say anything? Or, oh, I don't want to go there, then she'll complain. Let's not do that. In the end, um, if supportiveness is an attractive feature of humans, it's probably something you ought to focus on. And more importantly, it just makes you feel better, Right. Because the more supportive you are, the more attractive you are to the people around you. And the more attractive you are to the people around you, the more you will benefit, the more secure you'll be in your life. And uh, that that's probably goes both ways. Do you know enough? Do you talk enough? Do you share enough with your coworkers that uh, if you did get sick, if you were down and out, that they'd actually miss you? I had a boss once that... He um, needed to have some help moving, and he just asked a bunch of his coworkers and friends and employees that worked with them, and he's going to have a party, and if any of you want to help me come move, I'd love to have that. And he had like 30 people pull up, and they weren't like forced to go, but they wanted to be there, and it was a party, and people helped him move. How many of you couldn't get 30 family members? How many of you couldn't get five family members to help you move? It might be the more supportive we are, the more support we get. So if that's the principle, let's let's trust it. You've seen it. When you make people feel good about themselves and be able to handle their trials, their issues, they'll help you handle yours. It's reciprocity. That's the Coach's Corner. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, a whole new hour, new content, new ideas to help you in this crazy thing called life. Kim Giles will be joining us, one of our uh, favorite life coaches She'll be around helping us talk about how do we handle differences. If I don't believe what you believe and I'm actually opposed to what you believe, how can we still get along in this crazy world? We'll talk about it up next hour right here on The Matt Townsend Show. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Giving you the tools you need to grow a healthier, happier life. Let's start with uh, the celebration of today's day. Today is Lazy Day. And uh, Ben's favorite day on earth. Second to Mother's Day and Christmas. 
What's the best way to celebrate Lazy Day? I like to uh, get my sweats on mm. and eat a bowl of macaroni in a Lazy Boy. With cheese or without? With cheese. Okay. Maybe just like the crunch of uh-huh. dry macaroni. I like to also dip my Cheetos Ooh. into my macaroni and cheese. All right. And just stuff as much of it in as I can. All at the same time? Yes. Okay. That takes effort, though. It kind of counteracts mm-hmm. the lazy theme of the day. I also like to have my children hand me the remote. Ooh. I'm like, boy, can you grab <laughs> daddy the remote? And I like everyone else to leave me alone. My father, growing up, would often say that he, he already has a remote. He has three of them. That's right, back in the day. Instead of actually having a physical remote. Well, when so. I grew up, you didn't even your remote was really called a clicker because yes, you had actually made did. a clicking sound. We had one of those, yeah. Click. But um, the, it wasn't even just the remote you needed. You needed somebody to move the antenna. You know, sometimes I just, they'd say, Matt, go hold the antenna, and I'd go right. hold it. My brother was good at that. He, like, Can I let it go yet? Yeah. Nope, just hold it. This is a big part. <laughs> Don't move. You're part of the family yeah. now is to hold that. There's only one more quarter left in the Super Bowl, Matt. Just hold it. <laughs> well, I kind of want to see it. Just hold it. Just sit there. That's the benefit of being the youngest. You're a great conductor. <laughs> Younger people have a more robust electromagnetic field. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so I it, think aff- it affects TV reception. I think it's the gummy bears. Could be. You know, what's crazy about the whole uh, day we're celebrating, it's Lazy Day, but it's also S'mores Day, brought to you by the Girl Scouts, Hmm. Duran Duran Appreciation Day, World Lion Day, and Skyscraper Day. By the way, if you had to think of the the skyscraper that you appreciate the most, what skyscraper comes to mind? I don't know what it was, (laughs) but uh, not the recent Mission Impossible movie, but the one before with Tom Cruise hanging off the side of it. Yeah, that one. Just because that was kind of an interesting shot. But see, just funny, um, you don't even know the name of that skyscraper. I have no idea. It's in Dubai or something. Yeah. That's what's funny about skyscrapers is you can appreciate them all day, but you may not know all the names. Yeah. But if you really appreciated them, today's the day you go look them up. (laughs) That's a building, and I appreciate you. I'd post it on Facebook. Do what you got to do. Hey, did you hear this whole thing about Tom Brady and Apple? Man, Tom Brady, apparently he's been in some scandal lately. Uh, something Deflate gate, I def- believe it was yeah, called. Yeah, deflate gate. I think it was about a stock investment, stock portfolio. It was about deflated. the air pressure of football oh, during okay. certain football games. Well, in that whole uh, debacle or whatever we're calling that, the whole problem, he, he apparently said that he got rid of his phone because he didn't want to go have his phone exposed in this in this investigation and have him find – all of his emails, like 10,000 or so emails yes. to the people that were actually involved in deflating balls. Allegedly. Allegedly. This is all alleged. Alleged. So here's the deal. But apparently when he made the statement that Samsung, his Samsung phone needed to be replaced because it was broken, and then he went and replaced it with an Apple 6, iPhone 6, it really hurt Samsung. It it. It's like advertising. So if they would have yeah. had to pay him a lot of money to say, hey, I, I use Apple because Samsung broke on me and it's harder to keep my secrets with <laughs> Samsung. Um, so anyway, according to some uh, research by an organization, Apex Marketing, they've basically said that in a day, the minute he made the claim, in that first few hours, the brand value of Samsung dropped, dropped over $600,000 after the release of that first – statement. Then it spreads virally, right? Viral, 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 viral. And then it's now up to about $1.7 million 
of free advertising basically to Apple. Now, this is weird because now what happens in the news can actually affect branding. Just a comment. A comment that actually yeah. he had never thought that that would – but he would have charged a lot of money to go be a spokesperson for Apple. Right. He would have charged probably $1.7 million. So think of that. Maybe that – you know, that's that's a big deal. Now maybe somebody needs to go sue and say, hey, you just cost me $1.7 in value. And I'm not saying you should. But these guys have a lot of weight. I mean, we've, we've made fun of a lot of things on this show, but now we probably ought to be careful. Probably. Because we <laughs> could be found liable somehow. Yeah. yeah I, I found that interesting. I love Samsung and I love iPhone. He, he makes a comment and all of a sudden they're like, we lost all this money. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to, you know, support the Matt Townsend show, I love you. I love whatever you've got. Whatever you have. Love it all. Everything's great. Love. Love. Hey, we've got a great show coming up. Kim Giles uh, is going to be joining us. She is um, a life coach extraordinaire from uh, Clarity Point Coaching, and she's going to be helping us walk through a disagreement. When you and somebody you care about have a disagreement, like you may have somebody in your family that is pro-same-sex marriage, somebody that's against it, and you just don't get along, how do you bring that together? How can you still love each other, be in the same family, and have such a big disagreement? She, she points out some serious topics Yeah, in her post. My wife and I, it's always about stuff like how much TV does the kid watch? Yeah. You know what? That's easy. How long should his afternoon nap be? That kind of thing. Interesting. You know what you can always do? Flip a coin. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. On stuff like that. Yeah. Because, you know. And usually that's what we do. Yeah. And if you flip it enough, it'll be 50-50. Or I just go, ah, whatever, and do what she says. But you can't do it on something bigger like your principles. Right. Yeah, or death. But we're usually aligned on those. Yeah. Yeah, so. Not a big deal. So we'll be talking with Kim Giles after the break. But first, let's find out what's going on in the headlines. Terry. A man who opened fire on officers in Ferguson, Missouri. On the one-year anniversary of Michael Brown's death, was critically wounded when the officer shot back. St. Louis County Police Chief, this is a, their report from early month today, the gunshots interrupted this news interview with Ferguson's interim police chief, Andre Anderson. Message to those who are looting. So the police chief is trying to have a press conference wow. talking about this day, one year, where is the city gone, how we progressed, how are we better from this this you know tragedy from a year ago and all the and then gunshots start. Like a war zone. That's a lot of guns right there. Some reports fifteen shots, it's kind of uh, still being investigated. Other uh, another official, St. Louis County uh, police chief John Belmar said the news conference in another news conference that officers had been tracking the man Tyrone Harris Jr. of St. Louis, who they believe was armed during the protest marking the death of Brown. The uh, the man approached the officers who were in an unmarked police van. They opened fire. Belmar said the officers returned fire from inside the vehicle and then pursued the man on foot until hmm. they were able to uh, ask, uh, grab him. So uh, he is in surgery. He's in critical condition, and uh, the whole situation is under investigation. Donald Trump still atop uh, some polling that has come out over this weekend after the GOP debate last Thursday. Donald Trump is under fire because of comments he made about Fox News anchor and moderator uh, Megyn Kelly. Trump, over these, the, the poll from NBC over the weekend, has Trump maintaining a hefty lead over his GOP rivals uh, with a 23% voter support. Trump attempting to recover from his sexist comments after the GOP debate. 
No, there's nothing to apologize. She asked a very, very, I thought, very unfair question, and so did everybody on social media. And I answered the question very well, and people thought I won the debate easily. What I said was totally appropriate. There was nothing wrong. Only a deviant, and I literally mean that, only a deviant would think anything other than that. Only a deviant would think he mm. meant anything other than By what way, he meant. Everybody, everybody on social media everybody. thought he, it was an unfair question. He even said there were, there were uh, candidates on the stage after the debate that came up to him and said, wow, Fox News really treated you harshly, Trump. You, 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 I'd love to know you who really, said yeah, that. And no one asked him. And the questioning on, on – it was NBC and a couple other networks. No one asked him, yeah. who are those other candidates? They just let that comment go. But he said he has all support from all these people. So. Hmm. China cyber spies have accessed the private emails of many top Obama administration officials, according to a senior U.S. intelligence official and top secret documents obtained by NBC News. Mm-mm. And they've been doing so since at least April of 2010. Now, this is the private email accounts, not the government email accounts. Well, as we have found with Clinton... The two have met together right. and become one. The email grab first codenamed Dancing Panda. Oh, that's my favorite. And then name. they changed it to Legion Amethysts or something. Dancing Panda is such a great name. Yeah. yeah. By the way, did you hear the new name I gave Ben? What's that? Dancing Koala. There you go. It fits. Cute. It fits. The intrusion into personal emails was still active at the time of the briefing and, according to senior officials, is still going on. Oh, boy. The, in 2011, Google disclosed that the private Gmail accounts of some U.S. officials had been compromised, but the briefing shows the private email accounts from some other providers were compromised as well. The government email accounts assigned to the officials, however, were not hacked because they are more secure, says the senior U.S. intelligence official. Maybe they're tricking everybody, so he's using it to bait them in. Could be. Doubt it. Doubt it. The mayor of Talladega, Alabama, said mm. Sunday that he was violently beaten with a sawed-off baseball bat outside his part-time barbershop job by his former radio talk show co-host. Whoa. <sighs> That's like some... Yeah, it's a really multi-level, multi-layer story here. Larry Barton, Mayor Larry Barton, who was about to run for his fifth term as the mayor of Talladega and who was re-elected in 2011 after serving prison time for fraud, told NBC News from his hospital room at the University of Alabama that the attack began Saturday morning in the parking lot of the barbershop. Hmm. Before I could do anything... The assailant jerked the uh, door open. He started hitting me, said Barton, who's 75 years old. The man was wearing a trench coat and a hood, and Barton said he repeatedly hit him in the face, legs, and knees. Mayor Barton said that he eventually grabbed the bat, held onto it, then he kicked the man, finally got the hood off him, and that's when I recognized who he was. Jimmy! Barton identified his assailant as Benny Green, who he said was known for his more than a decade as his co-host... (laughs) <laughs> on a current event show in the interest of the people until a few years ago when the show was canceled. Unbelievable. If I hadn't been successful getting him off of me, he would have killed me, said the mayor. This is crazy. Now, there's some unsubstantiated reasons as to why the attack happened, but we won't go into those. That's like Boss no Hog. I mean, that's like yeah. that's old school politics right there. It's awesome. Interesting. Now, you flew to Denver over the weekend. Yes, I did. You had a beautiful had a, flight. Had a thing. Had a thing there. A Delta flight headed from Boston to Salt Lake City over the weekend ran into hail so severe that it cracked the windshield and severely bashed in the nose of the airplane, Ooh. forcing the an emergency landing in Denver. Oh wow! I wonder if I flew that plane home. There were times when we felt like the air dropped out from under us. We could see lightning spider webbing over the wings and hail pounding the plane. Says a passenger. 
at fault was a nasty thunderstorm near the Nebraska-Colorado border, so that might have been further east than you were. Yeah. Um, the Airbus 320 shook severely, plummeted 14,000 feet in two minutes. Babies were crying. Some young teens behind me were screaming, says a passenger. And that was without knowing what the damage to the front of the plane looked like. Once everyone was out of the plane, they all took pictures and looked on in amazement. As in, in the pictures, cow. you see the front end of the plane yeah, just bashed crashed. in. So there you go. I, I had a pretty good flight. Your flight was okay, though. I did. I had a great flight. Met a lovely lady from Fresno. Huh. Have one of them conversations. It was was, was one of the things we call a conversation. It was awesome. Good stuff. Man, I'm glad I wasn't on that flight. (laughs) Scary. Um, Wow, good stuff. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Kim Giles will be joining us, our relationship coach from Clarity Point Coaching. She's going to be helping us uh, learn how to deal with our differences. How do we handle, you know, someone we care about, someone we love that really has a completely different point of view than you do? How can you still be friends and uh, and respect each other, even if you don't respect their position? We'll stick with this. Uh, we'll be talking about it in depth up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us is Kim Giles, president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching, popular life coach, author, speaker, extraordinaire. If you go to her website, claritypointcoaching.com, you can find out more about her. But I want to get right into the subject because I want to give it as much time as we can. Kim, with the whole decision about uh, from the Supreme Court about gay marriage rights, they have the right to go be married. There's still people that don't agree with it they don't like it and it start it divides families it's it, dividing people it is because it's it can become a very emotional issue for a lot of people yeah so any anytime you've got a real emotional issue you can have close friends family members maybe even your spouse who disagrees with you on this issue and that can be rough you had to a couple write to you because they're they're struggling in their marriage because one of them feels one way the other feels Another way they don't they don't know how to kind of cut through it all, right? And they they said they they tried to make a rule to just not talk about yeah. it at all, and inevitably it's There's all over oppor- the yeah. place, right? It just it's in front of our face all the time. Yeah. A story comes on the news, and and one of them will make a comment, and that just gets this argument going again. And, totally. and they said they feel bad because they adore their spouse, mm-hmm. but they really want their spouse to agree with them. And so they're they're really campaigning to get their spouse to agree with them. Isn't that – and it's it's interesting too. We want to be united on this. This is why I think it's such an important issue because as soon as we kind of make it through this storm of this, we will have learned to collaborate and be together on issues, not not always agreeing, but knowing how to handle it better. Right. And and the reason I answered their question in, in my column was – that this is really a microcosm for our whole society right. right now, right? We're all our country is very divided, and it's not just this issue. No. There's politics. Quite I mean, a how few. many, how many men and women may not agree on the the whole issue about Trump and what he said about a woman journalist? Oh yeah. I mean, well, and so I everyone even, can fight I about that. I know couples who one's liberal and one's yeah. conservative, and, totally. and they feel very strongly. So. so, what what advice do you give? What do we do? Well, 
the number one thing that I teach my clients is a different perspective about life and why we're here and why there are differences. And see, I really believe that we're on the planet to learn yeah. and especially to learn to love, to learn to love the way God loves, to love ourselves and other people. I think that is the main purpose of us being on the planet. Now, God could have made all of us exactly the same, yeah. and that would have made this a lot easier. Oh, so much easier. <laughs> and with so few, if he could have made fewer choices. Oh, yeah. Just for all of us. But isn't it It's interesting that on this planet, we've got all these different races and yeah. cultures and opinions and different types of people. And I really believe that it was intentionally created this way. Because differences challenge us mm-hmm. to learn to love at a different level oh, yeah. than we would go if all we deal with is people who agree with us. And so I told this couple, the one thing that you've got to understand about your marriage is you always marry your greatest teacher. Yeah. You sign up That's for so this true. class. Even if you didn't know you were or you were even intended to be. And usually you don't. Right. You don't when you get married. Right. You don't realize that this person – this person is going to be able to push buttons in you that no one else can push. So true. So inevitably, they're going to have this beautiful opportunity to help you become a better, wiser, stronger, more loving person. Right. But you've got to be seen it that way so that every interaction, every disagreement, everything that happens between you and your spouse, you recognize it's today's lesson so cool. On love, and this person is is really in your life to help you and serve you. Instead of thinking you. they're just evil, or yeah, they or just wrong. don't get it, yeah, yeah. So so it's a teaching moment. Everything's a teaching moment, and if the highest lesson is love, but so can I still have? I can still disagree in the the premise of gay marriage. I could still have a religious belief that says it's not what God wants, and I could still. Love the person. Well, just recognize that this person having an opposite opinion of you could be your perfect opportunity to grow and mm-hmm. learn how to love people who are different. And and I, you know, we've talked about this on the yeah. radio before because I have an African American daughter. Um, oh, I, I have you've a gay uncle. Yeah. Okay, so so I really feel strongly about this principle in my life that all human beings have the same value. Yeah. And my job is to learn to love them and not not judge, not convince, mm-hmm. not right. tell them they're wrong, but right. Right. but love and support them. And so if I can love and support and, and get the get the paradigm in there that this is a learning moment that and the number one learning here is love. And then what do we do with the differences? OK, because <laughs> that's like because it seems like it's the it's the difference that divide. everyone always say, oh, well, of course, I love them. Yeah. But what they're doing is messed agree. up, and we don't like that. And I don't want my kids to think that. Okay, so one other principle of human nature I just want our listeners to understand is that everybody on the planet has attached their ideas and opinions. Everything they think and feel is literally attached to who they are. Yeah. They think what they think and feel is who they are. Right. So if you immediately tell them they're wrong, you're unwilling to listen to honor and respect their right to their opinion, you need to understand that they literally will feel that you're disrespecting and devaluing them. Mm -hmm. You can't devalue their thoughts and feelings without devaluing them. So it's really important you understand that so you handle this in a way that still validates their worth as equal as yours, even though their opinion is different from yours. So that's the key, huh? Because if if you can't validate their worth. This is really about their worth. This doesn't change their worth, their value, their 
you always use the diamond metaphor. It doesn't change the value of the diamond. Yeah, the setting their intrinsic in. worth yeah. as a human still, soul just because they have a different opinion. You just have to figure out how to communicate that without and not and, and reassure them that you know that that you believe they're beautiful, amazing, wonderful people. That's right. So, hmm. you first off, when somebody has a different opinion, you've got to keep in mind even if you disagree with their opinion that you value them. Yeah. As a person. And in valuing them, that means you've got to honor and respect their right to be where they are in their journey. And one of the things I talked about in the article, I believe life's a classroom, but I believe no one on the entire planet got the same class as I got. No, exactly. Yeah. And so my spouse, my friends, they've had a totally different journey. And really their opinions and their perspective is a is a result of what they've experienced mm. and what they've learned. And because I've had different experiences, I see the world in a different way. That's even if – so even if you come from the same minority group, if you come from the same sex or gender, if you come from the same church, nobody. You're saying nobody's no, had well, your <laughs> same game. My husband and I, we have all those things in common, but he grew up in a really small town. He was a country boy. Yeah. He wasn't exposed to a lot of people who are different, variety. I was a city girl. Yeah. I came from a very different type of family, even though we have the same religion yeah. and race yeah. and all those things. Our viewpoint is really different. I have seen the world from a totally different place than he's seen that's it. That's right. So that's the first thing you've got to take into account is that this person is really the sum result of their experiences. Mm-hmm. And they can only see the world the way they see it. That's all they can see. So you can't so expect true. them to be able to see what you can see. Which is kind of your job, really, is if we, could, if we could all talk about this in a way that I could share what I see and you could see what I see, hear it. You don't have to agree with it, but try to see it from my frame of reference. That's what makes like the same-sex marriage thing such an interesting thing because more and more people have somebody they know, they care about, they love that's gay. And it's a totally different it's experience totally when different, you're talking yeah. about my family, uh-huh. somebody that I love versus those people that right. I just think of as yeah, strange that I people don't that get. I don't yeah. know. I think the same thing is true. If, you, if you're in a situation where you're not around a lot of African-Americans and you don't get, you don't, you don't get that they're you. Well, they're just you. I know. My daughter, poor daughter has that experience I mean, all the she, time around exactly. here. Because people – this is not a diverse no, area. No. People really say the wrong Which things. Which is why it's so important know. to have her there so that we can start changing – the views and, and 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 understand her as just she's a human. But I have to explain to her often that these people who make the stupid comment to her, yeah. it's not that they're racist. Mm. It, it's just that they haven't had experience and they're seeing the world from <laughs> where like, they've been and they don't know uh, anything different. So we've got to have some wisdom and compassion about other people and their experiences and know that you know maybe as life goes on and they have different experiences. Their perspectives will change, mm-hmm. and we kind of have to give them that. But it's really important we're respecting and honoring their right to be where they are and to know what they know yeah. and have that perspective. They have that right. It's the only perspective they could possibly Yeah, what else are they going to bring? Well, and it's also – because this can go both ways. So, I mean, you could go to the most liberal city with the most liberal group of people that are supposedly so open-minded to everything, and they'll tolerate everything except religious conservatism. <laughs> Yeah, you which know what I mean? Which is, is like, the they're a bunch of foreigners, <laughs> hicks from the sticks. So, I mean, it really can go everywhere. And it's so it's almost like whoever makes you uncomfortable is a great lesson. 
This is an important lesson for you. And it is probably in your life specifically because you need it. <laughs> Which is why you're uncomfortable. <laughs> That's, That's why right. you're uncomfortable. That's so I mean, true. I think the universe is going to throw at you exactly what you need to overcome to learn yeah. to love next. Let's do this. Again, we're speaking with Kim Giles from Clarity Point Coaching. If you go to the website, Clarity or uh, claritypointcoaching.com, we'll, uh, you can find out more about all of her services, her, her information, her book. She's got it all. We'll come back. I want to continue this discussion how we take our differences, for example, your very real differences about uh, same-sex marriage or um, a homosexual marriage or any issue, really. It could be your political battles. It could be Trump versus Megyn Kelly or whatever you've got going on in your world. How do we take our differences and, and not let them steal the love? How can we still keep loving each other and living our principles first and foremost? We'll take a break more when we come back with Kim Giles. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, just in the news over the last couple months, you've seen a lot of hot topics going on that divide us, you know, by our political affiliation. Some divide us just by our, sometimes our generation, we feel. Um, one of them that's been really heated and uh, caused a lot of tension, I think, in families as well as in the country is just uh, the gay marriage issue and the right uh, given by the Supreme Court that it is a right for gays to go marry. And for a lot of people that are religious, they think, oh, that's a travesty, and it's tearing families apart. Joining us today is Kim Giles from Clarity Point Coaching. She is one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country, according to Good Morning America, and she's one of the top five advice gurus in the galaxy, according to the Matt Townsend Show. And she's here to help us sort this out. How do we talk? No, so let's say we have a difference. I'm, I believe, you know, we shouldn't have gay marriage. My wife believes that we should have gay marriage. It's starting to impact. We're in the heat of a battle. We're fighting. Okay, so How do we do this? yeah, we've got to have some tools for right when you're in this argument, and you're both starting to state your case and and basically tell your friend or your family yeah. member they're wrong without invalidating them. Yeah, with still showing that you value them as a person. So one of the things I want you to watch for while you're listening to their point of view, and you better be willing to listen to their point of view. Number one, you've, if you value a person, you've got to give them a place to share who they are, mm. what they feel, what they think, and really listen to them. While you're listening, one of the things that will really help if if you will watch for the good intentions and the good character that's behind this person's opinion. For for example, those who are against gay marriage, m- many you know have strong religious beliefs, and and in their mind, this is this is about obedience to what God has told them to do. Right. And the, and there's beautiful character that's in right. that that they they want to be that kind of person. And I was telling the person who wrote this question to me that your spouse who supports gay marriage. They are the most loving soul, and they want to just be able to be good just and fair love and loving person. to everyone. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful thing about right. their character? It really is. It's coming from a good place. 
Yeah, but we do have a, a negative bias where we tend to look for what's wrong in anybody else's argument before we look for yeah. what's right or good about it. And if you look for the good, it is always there. Yeah. You can see good character and good intentions, at least, behind yeah. this person's viewpoint. So I think you need to look for that. Instead of tearing it down, find where, where, where is their goodness and, and shore that up and even shore it up with them. Yeah. Oh, make I sure. I can see you really you, love people. And you know, and you I want, really love this about you that you're you're this faithful way. to your belief system, and you believe God thinks it's wrong. And I appreciate that you're strong that way. So, in doing that, can you see you're really valuing their their character, who mm-hmm. they are? You're you're yeah. valuing them, even though you can't agree with their. And opinion. that'll keep them in the conversation. I'm assuming. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the other thing uh, that's just a rule for me, especially when it comes to your spouse, remember that being nice is more important than being right, Mm -hmm. especially in your marriage. And a lot of us, because we've attached our value to our ideas, we really have a strong need to be right. In order to feel like we're okay and and validate ourselves, we need to crush the other people and prove that we're right and you're wrong. And if that's your mindset in your marriage... Is going to be trouble. Oh, it's going to get ugly. It is really- well, and, and I can totally agree and love and, and actually be converted to. I, you know what? I do need to love these people more that I'm that I have a difference with. And it does me loving them doesn't mean I give up my position that God doesn't like it. I don't have to either or the decision, right? I can still. I I might find right. I might find what you're saying is absolutely right, and actually be living against it. Like I could know that I should love them and know that I don't. You know what I mean? I could oh, change right then, and yeah. it changes me if I'll let it in. I think the biggest piece is that we need to be open. We need to all be teachable and yeah. open to different perspectives and seeing the world from a different angle. It would do nothing but serve us yeah. to be open to learn. I think that's what we think, though, is if we if this was going to be solved, we would think alike still. But in well, the end, you may not think alike. Yeah. And we Chances could still— are you're not going to. But I could still be changed. Absolutely. And I could still be more loving and still believe what I believe. And you could be loving and also see that this is a religious belief for you, not just Well, you also need rude. to realize that the more you push your right and their wrong, the more they will dig in right. and insist to be validated on their opinion. Where if you will validate them and be open and not try so hard to push yeah. your opinion, they will actually be more open yeah. and you'll have more influence. That's powerful. Absolutely. And we we just have to know that it's not always going to be, you know, the Brady Bunch group hug at the end. But I can still – I mean, it could still be positive and good. Absolutely. And yet we don't always agree. So, Matt, one of the many free things that I give away on my website, on my resources page, is instructions on how to have a mutually validating conversation with your spouse or anyone. And honestly, I think it's the most valuable thing on yeah. there. Everybody needs to know how to properly have a mutually validating conversation where both people leave feeling heard and understood, respected, and honored. And if yeah, oh you yeah, you just need to know how to do and just it. Just to have like the guidelines. So they go to Clarity Point Coaching. Where and where is it on the site? It's on the resources page, and the buttons right there on the front page. Hit resources, and you'll and see down. how to have a mutually validating conversation. And the bottom line is that you're going to give the other person a chance to share and talk about how they feel first. Mm-hmm. And you're going to listen and validate, honor and respect their opinion. Don't disagree. Yeah. Honestly, don't even agree. Just honor Just their right to have their opinion. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to ask if they would be open to letting you share some of your opinion. And if this is, is someone who in the past 
overruns you, interrupts, won't listen, you may have to specifically yeah. ask, would you be willing to shut up for like yeah. five minutes and let me really explain why I feel the way I feel? Would you be willing to give that to me? And they have to agree. And then make sure when you do speak your opinion that you use I yeah, statements. Yeah, you keep it safe for them. Yeah, you yeah. statements. You You're do this. You're so messed up. Right. <laughs> You're wrong. It's cool. Yeah, talk about what you've experienced, how you see the world, and how things make you feel. And if and you're sincere. And if you're sincere and make it safe, I always think that I have to – it's like I call it stethoscoping. They, if they're listening to my heart, I need to make it safe for them to keep listening. If I grab the stethoscope and yell in it, you'll never listen to me again. So while you've oh, got this I sensitive like little instrument listening to my heart, I'm going to make it safe. I'm going to talk safe. I'm going to use I statements. I'm going to make sure you can keep listening. I might slow down my pace. I might give you a chance to show me you're getting what I'm saying. Slow it down. Be safe. It's hard, though. It's a hard topic. It is. But, but it's valuable, it. and especially we once do we've done this. it. We yeah. can talk about anything and right. still respect and honor the no. other person. See, Kim Giles knows. Kim Giles, go check out ClarityPointCoaching.com and go hit the resources button. Go down to the safe conversation. Mutually validating Mutually validating. It's there, folks. It's just it's the tools we need. Slow and steady. We'll figure this out and figure out how to create peace amongst all the turmoil, right? We'll take a break. When we come back, go visit our buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A little Duran Duran for you uh, on Duran Duran Appreciation Day. Nobody loves Duran Duran, hungry like the wolf, more than my good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, uh, Brian Logan. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Matthew. What a wonderful song. Do you guys love Duran Duran? I do. I own their greatest hits album. You want to sing something? You want to just know who that is, really? <laughs> do I want to sing something? Duran Duran. Yeah, just a little, just a little hungry Let's like. Let's see wolf. what song would I pick if I were to sing Duran Duran. You've got the whole album, and uh, Brian. How about Ordinary World. I love that song. Do you? Yes. We'll, we'll pull it up and we'll play it as you're leaving. <laughs> Ordinary World. Never heard of. Well, that. Brian, you need to get out. Brian, do you know Duran Duran? You would love Duran Duran. They're from the '80s Brian rock knows- band. Brian knows uh, rappers, and that's about it. Mm. I was born in 88, so... Wow. Oh, uh, wow, Brian. Yeah. I won't even tell you what I was doing in 88. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Hey, guys, there's another day. It's not just a Randoran day. It's also Lazy Day. It's Lazy Day. Lazy Day. That explains everything. Happy Lazy Day, which is why I guess Jerem's not here. Oh. oh, shots fired <laughs> at Jerome. I'm just playing with you. In fact, for Lazy Day, I've decided to take a $100,000 cruise. It's sold out. You won't believe this. A cruise going $100,000 for the cruise leaves January 5th, 2017, 490 passengers, 128 days sail- they'll be out on the ocean sailing, and 60 ports. Crazy, and it ranges from about fifty-five thousand a person up to three hundred and twenty thousand per couple. Are the rooms made of gold? Sold out. No, but all-you-can-eat buffet. So it's worth every penny. How many different countries? Sixty ports. Holy cow! Six continents. By the way, one hundred and twenty-five days or so. One hundred and twenty-eight days. That's lazy. 
Why would people want to be gone that long? I'd go nuts. You know what? They hate their families. <laughs> I was going to say, it depends on your family, your home situation. There's no other reason. That's what, that's what it comes down to. I Seriously, I would go nuts. I couldn't do it. I could. Oh, I would too. Plus, that's a lot of time at sea. You that's know? a third of the year. Oh. Uh, but you, what, I mean, what would you guys do with a third of your year? I'm sure you'd go watch sports. If I could do anything? Yeah. Um, I would sit at home all day and watch TV. Would you really? That's not bad. That is the, by the way, that is the definition of lazy, lazy day. day. Actually, I probably would, I would, I, if I could, I would hang out at the BYU football offices all day. Oh, just, would you really? Just roam around. Yeah. Like, like a stalker, like a, like a vagrant. I wouldn't say a stalker, more kind of like a bum where I just don't have nothing to do with my <laughs> life, you know, just walking around. You mean like showing. what Reno Mahe was doing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that what Reno? That's exactly yeah, okay. Actually, Reno's running for city council in uh, Lehigh, Utah. Yeah. So, anyway. so talk about the show. I'm sure you're doing the show. If worse comes to worse, you're gonna you're gonna always do the show. Matt, we're talking actual football. Oh my actual word! It's happening. Football. Yes. Practice opened on Saturday. Uh-huh. We watched BYU football players football. Did they look good? I don't. I mean, well, the funny thing is, Bronco Mendenhall said something really funny during his post practice interview. He said, "You know, dropped pass. Hey, Taysom's back on the field. Yeah, bad snap. Hey, Taysom's he's back on the giddy. field. He's just giddy. It's like he's giddy. Formation problems. Hey, Taysom's <laughs> back on the field. That's he said in his words. It was killer <laughs> to have Taysom awesome. back on the field. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it is. It's been like eleven months, hasn't so it? So it was. It was great. It was great to just." kind of soak in that atmosphere again, see guys getting juiced up for football. Don't and, use the uh, word juice and football. Okay. Seeing guys get <laughs> amped up. There you go. Okay. <laughs> without the use of performance-enhancing drugs That's great. That's for good. football. I, but I don't you think Monday will be different. So now it'll be different. Now he's no longer going to be enthralled with That's the fact day that— day two. Yeah. yeah the day, I think yeah. the day one kind of— That was giddy. He had the giddies. Fantasy has worn off, and I— I, I guarantee Broncos dialed into. Yeah, absolutely. What's on the show? What else? Are you, I'm sure you're going to just talk football, football, football. How in the world do you replace Jamal Williams? Mm. We will talk to Mark Atawaya, the running backs coach. Cool. Oh, cool. His plan for replacement. Also, Blaine Fowler was a national championship backup quarterback. He played in the '84 national championship game. He's got some really good advice for BYU's backup quarterback Tanner Mangum. Cool. How do you back up? A guy like Taysom Hill. Stay ready. When you get off of a mission in June. Oh, jeez. Okay? Yep. Get in shape. <laughs> these, are, these are the realities that BYU is dealing with if Taysom Hill goes down, heaven forbid, with another injury. That's cool. That's cool. There you go. I'm excited because you're talking football. It's also, back. there was a girl that broke her arm trying to win some BYU swag on Saturday and oh, won wow. it, stayed to take a picture with the swag box with a broken <laughs> arm, and then went to the hospital. Oh man! Yeah, that you know what? That's <laughs> that's a fan right there. Only a BYU fan. <laughs> Only a BYU fan that wants free gear. Oh, that's such a BYU fan right there. there huh? Wanting there the go. free stuff. Well, guys, have a great show. It sounds like a great one. Thank you, sir. Remember who you are. Little Duran Duran on the way out. Ordinary world, please. Ordinary world. Yes, my day's been made. Mm. I can just see Spencer singing this to Brian. It's a great song. Take care, gentlemen. Have Thank a great you, one. You bet. Thank you, sir. Duran Duran. That's a great song. Put that back up. I could just enjoy that for another minute. Can't you just see Bronco walking off the field with Taysom? 
Hand in hand. Hand in hand. Side by side, he puts his hand on the back of his jersey. They're walking off. I could totally see that, especially with the music video playing. Oh, yeah. Taysom's just there. They actually kind of pick up their step. They're kind of skip running. (laughs) Sure. It could happen. Well, folks, we had a great show. Um, We've talked about so many things today. It's so hard to know how to wrap it up because there's just so much to talk about. Again, we're celebrating Lazy Day, S'mores Day, Duran Duran Appreciation Day, which is why we were playing Ordinary World, and World Lion Day. There's a lot, a lot we've discussed. We also got into the debates. We talked to uh, Joe Cannon today about all of the um, the head-to-head combat that took place during the debates. There's even been more uh, head-to-head combat, you know, after some of Trump's decisions, some of the things he said. Uh, again, we talked a lot about character. And, in fact, Carly Fiorina brought it up that, you know, this whole process of the election is designed to see and to test somebody's character. So, you know, don't get discouraged. We got a long time on the the whole presidential thing. And you know what? Maybe you ought to have a break now, now that you went through the crazy time trying to get ready for that debate. We also had some uh, interesting discussions about what makes you most attractive to others. The basic rule, according to uh, our guest, was simply you gotta you got to be loving. You got to be supportive. The most attractive trait is being supportive because when you're supportive, people around you know they're safe. They know they can trust you. They know that they're appreciated. That was Dr. Henry Weisinger said, taught us that. And then in our last uh, block, Kim Giles came in and helped us walk through how you're supposed to handle disagreements. One specifically we talked about is if if you are divided in your family on gay marriage um, and you believe strongly like spiritually that God doesn't God doesn't condone it, God doesn't like it, uh, and you want to live your religious beliefs, but you still have family members that, you know, are are pro-gay marriage, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to blend those two ideas? One of the things we talked about basically is we can still love each other and we can still, you know, understand that we're all here learning and we've all got something to offer and to bring. It's just powerful. Life is a test, right? And part of the test is being able to handle some of the complexities like uh, that one, where we can still love somebody and still have a religious belief. That's what everybody, I think, would love to see balancing this whole discussion. As we wrap it up, we also like to end with a hero story, as you know. And one of the stories today is by a church from a church pastor where he takes a local robbery into his own hands. Listen to this. Pastor Les Snodgrass is the head of the congregation at the Door Christian Fellowship Church in Melbourne, Florida. And during a sermon on the value of life, a man named John Gray stood up and shouted angrily that he had a gun. By the way, can you imagine this after the shooting that went down in South Carolina? Everyone needed to get on the floor, the gunman said, and hand over their money. He then proceeded to put the gun up to the head of Pastor Snodgrass's mother. The whole incident was caught on the church's audio system, which was recording, Snodgrass then began calling out to Grace, saying things like, John, John, what are you doing? Snodgrass said he slowly approached Grace, uh, the gunman, and began talking to him. He got close enough to him and made a split-second decision. He quickly pushed him hard against the wall. Then Snodgrass's son leapt and pounced on Grace, punching him twice in the face. Snodgrass's wife then held a stun gun to Grace until the police arrived on the scene. 
Grace now faces 21 charges of robbery. He said, uh, the people said, we prayed after the whole thing was over. I gathered my family at the church. We all held hands and prayed and forgave him on the spot. Absolutely, Snodgrass said. But Grace, the gunman, will face justice, and he should. Isn't that amazing? Again, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do to protect people. And But it's got to be a hard thing to be a pastor walking somebody with a gun down and come on acting on that. Pretty intense stuff. Folks, there's heroes all around us. There's heroes in every part of our life. Sometimes we do something heroic, like put our life at risk. Other times we just put our reputation out there a little bit. We stand up for the person that needs to have um, somebody stand up. I think a great example of that lately has been uh, Carly Fiorina, who's basically taken Trump on a little bit more about some of the things he said. That's got to be a tough thing when you're the only female in the GOP, right? You may not want to put yourself out there, but sometimes there, there just comes a point where, where, you know, character might matter more than anything else. That's the show, my friends. Take care. We'll be back again tomorrow. Remember, you can go find us on our podcast. You can look us up on iTunes or tune in. You can also uh, go to BYUradio.org to uh, look through all of our archives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, love the people you care for, watch after each other, and make it a great one.